Adriana, Adriana, do you know us? We're bo- we're children. Like, in my defense, on. I guess I don't. I guess I don't. In we're, my me, defense. me, and Brendan over here are fucking Leonardo DiCaprio and Jonah Hill from The Wolf of Wall Street. I mean, in, come on. I don't no! think that helps. That does not help no! your case. In my I'm defense, I'm hanging up. I'm hanging up. I cannot believe. I cannot believe. You two just compared yourself <laughs> to Leonardo DiCaprio. You two? I didn't one. say anything. I, you're in this now, bud. I can't believe it. Literally, <laughs> all I said it. was that Alice is fine. That is it. That no, is that the all I said. So fine. That was 10 minutes ago. You guys think you're Jonah Hill? And I never Leonardo said that. <laughs> yeah. I literally didn't say anything. <laughs> I am not fucking apologizing for <laughs> something sorry. I did not say. Levi, what the fuck? Say what? Sorry. Hold, what the f- Hello, everyone. We're back again. As if, you know, last week stopped us. We're back. So, hello, everybody. It's great to be here once again. Um, We got a few movies on board to talk about. And we also have a friend that'll be joining us later. So, stay tuned for that. And this is The Cinemaniac. Yeah, so uh, we'll go ahead and kick off this episode. Uh, I will be talking about The Many Saints of Newark. Levi will be talking about uh, No Time to Die. Then all three of us will talk about Venom, Let There Be Carnage. And then we'll have our guests come in so that we can talk about other stuff. Yeah. Uh, Hell yeah. <laughs> you know what, nothing did I ever tell you? <laughs> you make it better like that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. So, so, um, start things off, I'll start talking about Many Saints of Newark, but you can't talk about the Many Saints of Newark, a soprano story, without first talking about the Sopranos. Woke up this morning. The next morning, I got so I'm, I'm the only one of us three only one of the three of us that has seen it all the way through right the yeah. sopranos yeah because <laughs> steven you watched a couple episodes the other night yeah um, i i also started like late into the first season so i gotta re- yeah i had to go back and start <laughs> from episode one and then levi you're still in season two yeah <laughs> fucking pitiful <laughs> He's not Been that gonna, way for two months. You're not <laughs> gonna move past season two, Levi. I'm gonna finish w- the show before before you. No, no, no. I I will finish after the semester of grad school finishes. I'll have more time to uh finish to die. Uh, I feel like it right now, but I'll have more time <laughs> to finish uh season two because also a lot of the TV shows I watch right now are coming to an end, like American Horror Story. Um, 
the survivor will be coming to an end around survivor yes all the end succession succession starts up this sunday but it'll be over by then too so all right um so yeah the sopranos uh aired in 1998 99 99 yeah 99 yeah Yeah, because they filmed in they filmed in 98 um it had six seasons technically seven because season six was broken up into two parts starred the late great james gandolfini uh as the main character tony soprano tony soprano (laughs) (laughs) um and it was critically acclaimed great show um, ended rather abruptly, um, at least like the final episode does. Left a lot of people mad, a lot of people confused, and yet you know, still, everyone claims that it's one of the greatest TV shows ever made. I was going to say, you know, that that's literally almost every TV show ends in a way that like makes people mad or upset. Yeah, I, I, I ain't never seen people more mad than the end of Lost. <laughs> I mean, but what about uh, these native? What about these native? Game, Game of Thrones. Lost yeah. through Game of Thrones. Gonna, there's quite a bit of TV shows where like people are never happy with the ending of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but to be fair, when the ending's kind of shitty, it runs into the like the season or potentially the show as a whole not being great. People don't really say that about the last season of Soprano. They just kind of like say that about the last episode, and yeah. that's usually it, um, which says a lot. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get it. Like the 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 end of the uh, the show, the finale. Uh, I was left confused, like a lot of people were. But as time went on, I I grew to like it a little bit more. And I feel like a lot of, like, that's happened with a lot of people, like, as, like, society, like, as we look back on The Sopranos, more people are open to the ending. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's a lot of theories and a lot of breakdowns of what it could be. And I saw a really good breakdown that, that actually convinced me of what the ending probably is. Um, but yeah, The Sopranos was created by David Chase. Uh, he was the executive producer and he wrote a majority of the episodes actually as well. Uh, him and Terrence Winter. And that leads into um, The Many Saints of Newark as well. Uh, for a long time, people thought that we were never going to get any more Sopranos content besides the show. And the um, video game. Don't forget about that. And the video game. And the Monopoly game. <laughs> Play that Monopoly. Um, but uh, they started filming uh, The Many Saints of Newark before the pandemic. Um, David Chase came up with an idea for a prequel that he wanted to do. Um, which got a lot of people excited. And then pandemic hit. So The Many Saints of Newark was supposed to come out in September 2020. Got pushed back to October 2021. <laughs> um, and during, during uh, especially the beginning of the pandemic, 
The Sopranos found a lot of new fans because a lot of people who had either never seen it or had wanted to rewatch it went to HBO because there wasn't shit else to do in the pandemic except for watch movies and TV shows, stay in your house, and they binged The Sopranos. And it is now back in culture nowadays. A lot of memes of The Sopranos going around on the internet nowadays. <laughs> all about that. All about that gabagool. All about the gabagool. All about um, I wish Italians were real. That's a that's a popular <laughs> meme that's going around nowadays. Is people watch The Sopranos? They take screenshots of a uh, Tony Soprano, Carmela Soprano, Christopher Maltesanti, and say, "God, I wish Italians were real." <laughs> I don't I don't get it. It's funny, but I don't get it. I don't get that one. Um, But yeah. um, So with the many saints of Newark, uh, again, it was written by David Chase that was directed by Alan Taylor, who um, was one of the directors for the show. Uh, He directed quite a few episodes for the show. Um, he also directed a couple episodes of Game of Thrones. Um, he also well. directed Thor: The Dark World. He also directed Thor: The Dark World. Um, oh. Yeah, <laughs> so he's got he's got hits and he's got misses. Um, so where does that leave the Many Saints of Newark? Um, so the story of Many Saints of Newark is. The posters say you you find out who made Tony Soprano. That's kind of true. Him. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, that's partially true. Um, the story mostly focused on the character of um, Dickie Maltesanti. Now that's um, my favorite character from the show, Christopher Maltesanti, played by Michael Imperioli. Um, it's all about his dad. And we get to see what his dad was like. There's some mystery surrounding his dad. um, Specifically from the show. There's questions about the dad. There's mentions of what happens to his dad. Um, Well, this actually shows us the answers to to some of those questions. Some of those theories surrounding him. Um, And basically, it shows the impact that he had on the Soprano crime family and Tony Soprano himself. Um, Tony, we see that Tony, as a younger kid, uh, called him Uncle Dickie. Uh, he considered him a sort of father-like figure um, because Tony's father wasn't in his life that much um, due to his criminal activity. Dickie Maltesanti was also involved in that, but um, he was more of like a father figure to Tony. And we get to see um, basically his story unfold. Um, and I personally liked it. I I enjoyed The Many Saints of Newark. I've seen it twice now. I watched it in the theater and then we showed it to Becca because she watched uh, quite a bit of The Sopranos with us as well. And she was wanting to see it. And I, I enjoyed it. Um, 
the the guy who plays Dickie Maltesanti, Alessandro Nivola, he does a great job. You can see some of the uh, characteristics that he has that get transferred, like, not transferred, but they get passed down to Christopher um, in the show. You can see sort of the mannerisms um, that he has. And I think the casting was just good. Uh, Vera Farmiga plays Livia Soprano. She plays Tony's mom. And she does an absolutely fantastic job of... Excuse me, sorry. She does an absolutely fantastic job of showing a younger version of Livia. She captures the character well. Uh, Her mannerisms, her voice, the things that she says and how she says them are just fantastic. Uh, Corey Stoll plays uh, Uncle Junior, uh, Junior Soprano, uh, Tony's actual uncle uh, in the TV show. Um, And he does a fantastic job as well, does a good job of capturing the character's essence. Um, Just um, how he acts and people just shrugging him off. uh, Just great. Um, specific Michael Gandolfini, um, James Gandolfini's son, um, plays, plays in a younger version of Tony Soprano. And the way that he was able to basically be his father, um, is absolutely, like, just awesome. Um, he focused paid attention to he actually like had to watch the show um to capture the movements uh in the way that he walked the way that he held himself the way that he would sit down the way that he would eat um all to capture the essence of his father which i know was difficult for him uh, especially since he lost his father at a young age um but he does an absolutely fantastic job um, <clears throat> and then there's, there's something that they do. There's, there's a sort of narration in the movie, um, from a specific character that I really enjoyed, but I wish they would have done it more. Basically, this character gives a narration in the beginning, like the first, like five minutes, he dips in again uh at like the 30 minute mark to give a a sentence and then the character doesn't really say anything until the end like there's just a couple spots of narration and i wish they would have done that more throughout the movie because i thought that it made it pretty unique um i still enjoyed it but i just i i think it would have been cooler if we got more of it Mm. um won't say who gives the narration, but I thought it was awesome. It made me giddy in in the theater when I saw it and I, when I first heard the character's voice. Um, it was just really cool. Um, now, this movie, though I enjoyed it, there are a lot of people that did not. Um... A lot of Sopranos fans don't care for the movie because it 
it changes some things. Uh, specifically, what does it change? Oh, there specifically, you go. <laughs> uh, it changes the timeline for some characters. Some characters in the show are said to be younger at the time that it takes place than they're shown in the movie. Specifically, one character in particular is making a lot of people mad. Because in the show, this character is said to be like Tony's childhood friend. That they've been friends since childhood. Mm -hmm. And then in the movie, the character is older than Tony. And is already doing things with the crime family. Won't say who. Because I think you guys are probably going to watch it. So yeah. I don't want to like, I don't want to say who it is. But it didn't, it didn't necessarily bother me. Um, I don't know why it didn't bother me. I guess I didn't think it was that big of a deal. For some people, that's going to be a real stickler. Mm -hmm. Um, but that character in particular, people are mad about. Um, Ray Liotta is also in this movie. Um, he plays, oh, wow. he plays <laughs> wow. Hollywood Dick Maltesanti. Um, he plays uh, Dickie Maltesanti's dad, so we get to see him in the movie, and he does a, he does a pretty good job. Um, I enjoyed the character. Um, surprisingly, and Levi, this this may be a bit of a surprise to you, because um, you know how much I enjoy this actor. <laughs> um, John Bernthal plays Johnny Boy Soprano. He plays Tony Soprano's dad. Okay. And I love John Bernthal as an actor. And I enjoyed him in this movie, but he wasn't like he wasn't the best. He not his best he, role. He kind of was just playing himself. Oh. And I mean, he's got he's got funny lines and I enjoy his character, but he he's just there and yeah it's fine but i do wish that it he would have like done something else or maybe they should just got a different actor i don't know um but i that doesn't mean i don't love john bernthal i love john bernthal um but everyone else just did such a such a fantastic job being these characters that i was just it just kind of threw me out a little bit. Just a little bit. Um, and a lot of... A lot of people... Don't like... Like the story... Of this movie. Um, I, I... I don't understand why. At least to me, I don't... I don't understand why... And I just watched The Sopranos, and this, like the way that it's written and all of that, is per, is something that I was expecting. You know, like it feels like it was written by the same people that that did The Sopranos, and 
what I mean by that, same thing that happened with this with the Sopranos with some people with the Sopranos is they expect like a violent crime gangster show, and it is that at times, but a majority of a majority of it is about the characters and how they interact with each other and how they play off of each other and how they are as a family. You see more of Tony Soprano's life as a father, as a husband, and all of that, rather than seeing him as a gangster. And we still see that in the show and stuff, but it's just, like, that's not the focus. And that's how it is with the movie as well, is we see Dickie Maltesanti, we see Johnny Boy Soprano, we see Junior Soprano, all of them as gangsters, but we see a majority of it as them being people and how they're interacting with each other as a family rather than going out, bang, bang, shoot, shoot, kill people because I'm a gangster. Like, it's, it's been more of like a human most story. Our lives living in a gangster's <laughs> paradise. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it. I thought that it was a cool story to see us back in the world of the Sopranos. I enjoyed learning more about Christopher's father, seeing how Christopher's father interacted with Tony Soprano and how Tony Soprano, like, like how that interaction, how his relationship with Dickie Maltesanti transferred to his relationship with Christopher Maltesanti into the movie. Like I can see why he cared for Christopher so much in the show because of how much Christopher's dad cared for Tony Soprano. And that's that's what a lot of it is about. So, I enjoyed it. I thought that it was a good movie. Could it have been better? Probably. But I I don't see why people are so mad about it. That's just that's just me. I enjoyed yeah. it. I think that if you watch The Sopranos, you should give it a shot. I don't think that it's as good as like El Camino was for Breaking Bad, but I don't think that it's something that needs to be ignored. Yeah. Um, in in relationship to The Sopranos, it's a good companion piece, and I will say they did kind of leave it open to see more. Like we could see another Sopranos prequel movie, or maybe even a Sopranos prequel mini series. Or something like that. Okay. So that actually leads me to a question I have, yeah. and it's literally just how much of the Sopranos do you have to know to be able to watch this movie? I will say there is a pretty big spoiler right in the beginning. Okay. Um, something that happens in season six is referenced right at the beginning of the movie. Oh, all right. So, <laughs> so well, I technically you could watch this first. But like I said that that thing right at the beginning is going to spoil something major that happens in the show. 
so it's like okay so because to me this sounds like it's a um it's a twin peaks fire walk with me scenario where you know what we're by that point the show is done but mm-hmm. they make a they make a prequel movie that deals with what kind of leads into what will become the show because mm-hmm. the um because that's exactly what Firewalk with me was because I have to watch it at some point for a class I was in, which forever upsets me because now I know like the biggest mystery of mm-hmm. Twin Peaks because I have to watch the movie and not any part of the show. Yeah. But that's another story. However, I I can see why people might have their complaints about it because they're just like, well, this show has been like here for a while and it's a really good show. And some people kind of just want to hold on to how pristine the show is in their opinions. Right. And when a movie like that comes along and, you know, shakes things up and might, you know, change how things are in the show's canon, it makes them a little bit upset. I can't compare it all the way to like, I can't fully make a Twin Peaks comparison to this because I still need to watch the TV show. But Mm -hmm. That's kind of what it sounds like to me. Just like the prequel yeah, that's, plays that's, like a big part into it. That's pretty much like like exactly how it is. Is, is people want to hold on to what The Sopranos is? This kind of changes things up a little bit, and people aren't happy about it. I understand. Like I'm not saying that their criticisms of it isn't valid. Mm-hmm. I will. I will say like, if you're mad at the writing, like. I, I don't I don't personally get it like why you would be mad at the writing like this is literally just like a two hour Sopranos episode at least it felt like that to me yeah I can understand being upset with the canon though and how it kind of changes things with the timeline which which what confuses me about that is because like the only thing that confuses me with the changes to the timeline is that this was written by the guy who created the show Mm -hmm. and who wrote a lot of episodes for the show. So changing someone's age in the movie is a bit confusing to me. Yeah. I don't know if he just forgot how old that character was supposed to be or what, but I don't know. Yeah. But I mean, it sounds like an interesting movie. So Definitely. Yeah. Once, I, once I finish the show, I'm gonna watch it. The narration Same. was was one of the coolest parts to me, and, and I wish that they would have done a little bit more of it, mm-hmm. just because of how interesting it was. Made me very happy, but I wish we would have gotten more of that. That's really yeah. my biggest complaint. It made it interesting. Well, I mean, if that's like the only complaint you have, that still shows how good of a movie it is to you. Yeah, I thought I thought all of the acting was wasn't not all of the acting. I I gave my piece <laughs> about John Bernthal and how I kind of wish he would have done something different. But oh well. yeah, um, pretty much all the acting I thought was great. Everyone embodied their characters well. You could tell who was supposed to be who. I just I thought it was good. So. That's really all I got to say about the Many Saints in Newark, a Soprano story. You got to say it like you're from you're from Jersey, the Many Saints in Newark. The Many Saints in Newark. 
a soprano story. Tony <laughs> Soprano. I'm glad you like the movie. Yeah, so, I'm, I'm glad you liked it too. The I I want my goal. This is funny. My goal initially when I started the Sopranos back in uh, July was uh to finish the whole series by the time the mini Saints of Newark came out, and uh, <laughs> obviously that didn't happen. <laughs> God damn it. So, but, but I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'll look forward to watching it once it comes out on Blu-ray because, to be honest, by the time I finish The Sopranos right now, it'll be the time Many Saints of Newark comes out on Blu-ray. Levi, you're going to take as long to watch um, Sopranos and Breaking Bad just as long as it took them to release No Time to Die. <laughs> oh, <laughs> That's a good segue, though, because now uh, we buy. Well, okay, yes, time. yes, yes. Before we continue to No Time to Die, though, I just wanted to say that with the Manny Saints new work, I will give it props because um, I don't know if you guys saw, but it is the Warner Brothers film that's brought in the most like viewership of a Warner Brothers film on HBO Max. This really? Wow. Yes. That's surprising. You know, that kind of makes sense considering how many people – Loved the Soprano. Like, that's exactly how it was with the Sopranos, too, because the Sopranos was like the first big show on HBO. Um, yes. And it drew so many people to subscribe and, and get HBO back in the day. Um, yeah. So to hear that the Sopranos movie has brought in like the most subscribers for HBO Max. I don't know about the most cool. subscribers. They just said the most. Uh the most views of a Warner Brothers film on HBO Max oh. this year. I don't know. I'm That's not sure it brought cool. in subscribers, but after it tanked at the box office pretty bad, like, it only made... So it came out the same weekend as Venom, which we'll get to yeah. later, but it made $5.5 million its opening weekend. And yeah. finishing in like fourth or fifth place at the box office, it was pretty bad. Yeah, yeah. I know. But it got those AMC. views on HBO Max. It did. It did. Yes. Yes. It, it probably got more views on HBO Max than it did in the theater. <laughs> so, yeah. but I, I do give the film props to that for for Warner Brothers, who, let's face it, has had a pretty shitty year with this. They, like legit, they've had a pretty shitty year as far as their movies at the box office and even on yeah. HBO Max. It this day and day release did not work out for them in their favor. Yeah. But anyways, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now it's now it's time. No time to die. Time to die. Die. <laughs> <laughs> So, oh man, no spoilers, really? Damn. All right. Yes, no spoilers. <laughs> all right, all right. So, no time to die. Oh, Brendan, what would you rate Mini Saints in New <laughs> I'd probably give it a solid seven. Oh, okay. Like, all right. not, not amazing, but not bad either. I'd give it just a solid seven. Literally, that's what that's exactly what I've heard about audience members who've gone and seen it. Is um I know the critics gave it mediocre reviews, but the um uh, audience members who have seen the movie they've said that same exact thing. They said wasn't good, wasn't bad. It was pretty okay. Yeah, so, yeah. that's probably what I'd rate it. Probably solid seven. 
solid seven. All right. All right. For realsies this time. It's uh, for realsies. No, for realsies. It's Bond. No time to die. It is. Oh God. I believe I'm correct in saying this. The 25th James Bond film. Um. But. It was also Daniel Craig's last outing as JB007. So, um, I can say this. <laughs> I can now say this. After almost two years <laughs> of being released, I finally heard the No Time to Die by Billie Eilish song. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And I, I will, I know, it was. It was released in like January twenty January twenty twenty. January twenty twenty is when the song came out. And obviously the movie didn't come out in April twenty twenty. But um I went almost two whole years not hearing the song. And um my first time hearing it was during the movie. And I will say this, it was exactly like I thought a Billy Eilish James Bond song would sound like. Legit. When, when they announced is, that she is that was that a gonna... compliment? I guess. I don't. I mean, you guys know. You guys know. Like, I know. Um. Uh, you guys love Billie Eilish, but I, I like. I'm not the biggest fan. I like her music, but not like all of her music. I'm not her biggest fan. But just yeah. like knowing the type of music she makes, when I heard that she was gonna sing the uh, song for the next James Bond film. I already like pictured in my head exactly what it would sound like. And after hearing it, it was legit exactly what I expected a so- a James Bond song by Billie Eilish to sound like. So, <laughs> so not a total, like, I guess for me, loss that I didn't hear it sooner or anything. Like, I'm not, I'm not disappointed with myself that I didn't listen to it sooner. It was definitely something that like I had no problem waiting for because it was yeah. exactly that I thought it was going to be. It seems um, like, I mean, to me, because, like, I'm not, like, super into James Bond like you are, but it just kind of seemed when they, cho- when they said Billie Eilish, I was, I was just like, it seems like you chose, like, the most popular artist at the time to make you a song. Oh, they always do that. That's the yeah. thing with James, with James Bond. Like, they always pick... The, the next James Bond villain is always somebody who, like, literally just won an Oscar. That's what happened with, like, Christoph Waltz for Spectre, Javier Bardem for Skyfall, and Rami Malek for No Time to Die. Like, they always pick someone who just won an Oscar to play the Bond villain. And then the song, too, they pick whoever, like, the new hot, like, artist is at the time like Adele for Skyfall, Sam Smith for Spectre to like do the James Bond song. So it, it doesn't surprise me that much that they pick like who the new, like hot and up and, up and coming artist is. Uh-huh. Yeah. But, um, so yeah, it was, I, I enjoyed the song. I thought it was appropriate for the type of film it was and what, like the, the theme of the, of the film like what all was going on but um it was i enjoyed the movie i thought it was classic james bond 
a, a classic modern day James Bond film. Mm-hmm. Not like like re- like Sean Connery is like the number one James Bond, but that's like real classic. We're going all the way back to the seventies with Sean Connery. Um, but this for being a modern day James Bond, I thought it had all the classic elements you had you had your bond girls the bond song the motorcycle and car chases the running like sharp shooting uh, never misses you know like witty lines and everything like it was it was classic whereas like our past two james bond films skyfall and specter they were directed by sam mendes and both of those films were um a lot Green. more yeah, like a lot, a lot more gritty, a lot more serious type James Bond films. Um, but they, like those films were trying to be night of James Bond films is what those were trying to be. Yes. But uh, No Time to Die, it was a lot more looser because one of the screenwriters is Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Um, yes. And so there, there was quite a bit of comedy in the film which i enjoyed because we didn't get that from our last two james bond films like i there i'm there were witty lines in the last two james bond films but it wasn't like constant like goofy lines or like real witty lines it was a lot more you know serious and trying to take itself like real seriously yeah but um which nothing wrong with those two love skyfall Spectre's okay, but love Skyfall. And then No Time to Die. Um, I just really appreciate the fact that for Craig's last outing, um, he was able to have a lot more fun, be a lot more loose than is like so like real tight or uptight as I thought he was with the other two mm-hmm. uh, recent ones. So it probably it probably felt more like his Casino Royale. Yes. Yes, Casino Royale is really good. Yes, um, it is. Out of all of his films, the worst one was <laughs> Quantum of Solace was definitely his worst film. As yes. James Bond. After I that, knew that watching it, I like I <laughs> like yeah. I, I know you probably you probably remember when I when I bought the Daniel Craig collection for cheap. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. His James Bond, and then I like I watched all uh, what was it four of them at the time? Yeah. Um, I, because I had never seen Casino Royale or Quantum of Solace. I'd only seen Skyfall and Spectre. Yeah. And I absolutely fucking loved Casino Royale. But then, like, I was watching Quantum of Solace and I'm like, yeah, this one's bad. (laughs) Like, yeah, that sucks. (laughs) that, That was his worst film as James Bond. After that, Spectre. Like, Spectre was okay. It was more so Spectre's just... Spectre's good. Playing. I like Spectre, but it's not... I like the Spectre computer. Shut, shut the fuck up. The fuck Spectre up. was disappointing. <laughs> more... Spectre was just more disappointing coming off of, like, it was the same director, same exact filmmakers as Skyfall. Um, so I was expecting yeah. something just as good as Skyfall, as Skyfall but yeah. it, it wasn't. It was... That opening to Spectre, though. The opening was good. Yes, the opening of Spectre was good. Oh, um, man, I love it. 
But I forget Dave Bautista was in that movie too, just because Dave Bautista. He should have been a bigger villain. He should have been a bigger uh, villain. Oh yeah, rather than Christoph Waltz being the main villain. But um, no. So and then after that, uh, after Spectre, I would probably put No Time to Die, and then Casino Royale, and then Skyfall. I think Skyfall was his best. So it's in the top three. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. It's No Time to Die is better than Spectre and Quantum of uh... Solace. Yeah. Sorry. Quantum of Solace. Um. <laughs> what? <laughs> Fuck off. Anyways. <laughs> um. No, like it was witty comments and everything. Like I get. Am I allowed to say the plot? Okay? Yes, you can say the plot. Just don't, just don't spoil, don't it. spoil it. it. Okay. So, <laughs> um, it has to do with James Bond's relationship with his latest gal pal, Madeline. Okay. Leia and Sedu, right? What? Leia Sedu? Yes. 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 The actress, that Leia Sedu? Yes. Beautiful woman, I must say. But, <laughs> um, no, it, so at the end of Spectre, like, you know, the two of them, they're a thing and it yes. continues on in this film. Okay. However, mm-hmm. we have to remember that Madeline is the daughter of Spectre. Okay. Yes. And the film has to do a lot with James Bond, because the way the film, uh, no spoilers, but the way the film opens, it has to do with Bond having to actually think about and test his relationship with Madeline. And so the film, that, that is like the biggest theme of the whole film is trust and knowing who your enemies are and who your mm-hmm. friends are. And he has to learn, he has to understand like, is Madeline someone he can trust? Is Madeline someone he can't trust? Just knowing like who she is, where she comes from, and uh, how it affects him and himself, and will his per- and how his personal life is affected by it. So that's really the gist of the film: is James Bond trying to figure out like where him and Madeline stand. And of course, Ooh. while that's going on, you've got fucking Rami Malek over here um, who is the Bond villain in this one. He's the big baddie who is like any other James Bond villain. He's rich. He's got money. He's got weapons that can destroy the whole world and everything and, and ultimately that's his goal is he wants, he wants to destroy the whole world take over the world like any other James Bond villain. Nothing real special. Just 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 an Oscar-winning actor, hot off his Oscar, and getting new ro- roles, and putting on, on a different accent for us with some sort of deformity that he has. Now, <laughs> now I, have a, I have a question. Yes. And I'd like to give a shout-out to my co-worker, Allison, because okay. she's the biggest Robbie Malik fan that I know. Oh, all the way back tonight at the museum, baby. <laughs> so, so I got to ask... How was his performance in No Time to Die? I know you said like like his character like the goals are just the same as any other James Bond <laughs> one, but his performance itself 
How was it? It was pretty good. It was pretty good. Definitely good. It was um um no no he 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 did do I know I'm thinking about it I'm trying to figure out how to word it but he he did a good job it was a good performance yeah I thought it was a good role for him I thought it was a good choice um do you think though, it was better than Christoph Waltz and Spectre uh you know I think they're both about on par with each other um they both played that's the other thing Christoph Waltz was back in this movie in No Time to Die. Um, he was, he's only got one scene of the whole film, but still. Oh, yeah, they um, showed that in the trailer. <laughs> they, yeah, they do. That 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 legit is his one and only scene of the whole film. Um, Damn. But, yeah. Um, but it they both, you know, play villains in their own way. They have their own way of portraying uh, their villains, who they are, and whatnot. But, you know, to me, all James Bond villains, they're the same. They, they, all got, they all have an accent. They all want, like, world domination or some domination to some extent. Um, JB's in charge of stopping them, as always. They always have some sort of deformity, too, whether it be, <laughs> like, um, like in their eye or like their whole face being scarred up or missing teeth or something like they they've all all got something or a lisp or a lisp yes like <laughs> yeah cuz that's kind of what Javier Bardem had in a uh, in Skyfall Sky. he kind of had like a lisp yes yeah so it's and it, well he had the lisp and the teeth so that's yeah. what you're referencing with the teeth yeah and then uh Mads Mikkelsen had the eye too and um, oh yeah, he did. He and Casino Roy, him and Christoph. I mean, Christoph Waltz didn't have the eye to like you know the end of the film, like halfway through. But still, um, it's it's all the same type. Um, the tone of this film, you could tell, because they just had like two big successes. Sam Mendes directed two James Bond films in a row. They were trying to go for the same type of style. However, the director of this film was the create is the creator of true detective on hbo mac or not mac but hbo um Mm -hmm. and he directed uh beasts of no nation um which was a netflix film with idris elba which i don't know if you saw but that was pretty good for his directorial uh efforts like i thought it was pretty good i enjoyed it um Mm -hmm. but the the action in the film it was great there were a lot of, especially at the very end, there was like one take of the action. I was like, damn, that was good. It was fun. It was entertaining to watch. Um, was it Jeffrey, like Michael Bay action? Shoot uh, low with the telephone. No, 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 no. Uh, fuck Michael Bay. You don't do this one take action type shit. Um, he does quick edits and whatnot. But, um, uh, Jeffrey Wright was back too as Felix yes. Latier, um, who was in Casino Royal, and was he in Quantum of Soleil? Solid, solid. <laughs> was I can't remember if he was in. Quantum I don't of remember Solace. if he was in Quantum of Solace. I know I don't he wasn't. Think in he was. I don't think he was either. I know he was in Casino Royale. I can't remember if he was in. He Quantum was in Skyfall. Soleil. I remember he was in Skyfall. He was in Skyfall. 
Wasn't he at the cabana, like on the island? Didn't he visit James Bond uh, on the island in the beginning to to bring him back? No, I don't think so. Really? I'm a a fact-checking myself right now. But, um... I thought that he showed up and he said, we need you back. That's in the trailer for No Time to Die. Yeah, but I thought I thought that was in Skyfall too. I'm a back checker. I don't remember. Oh. I need to rewatch the James Bond movies. Yeah, Stephen, no, are you Jeffrey, still there? Jeffrey I am still here. In. Okay, I was worried we lost you for a second because you were very quiet. <laughs> no, I, I literally just don't have much to say about like No Time to Die no so far. Done. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, ju- I just looked it up. Jeffrey Wright was not in Skyfall. Damn. Um, was he in Quantum of Solace? I didn't go that far. <laughs> was um, he Inspector? Because I don't remember him Inspector. No, no, he wasn't Inspector. He wasn't in the Sam Mendes um, James Bond film. Either of those two. Damn. Um, but no, the film, it was, it had the classic, like, witty lines, like, you know, like smart ass lines, quick lines from James Bond that were like, like little puns and funny. Um, and then, of course, you had you had your Bond girls. Um, Leah, what's her name? Leah. Leah Sadie. Leah Sadie, who returns as Madeline from Spectre. She was a Bond girl, one of the Bond girls in Spectre. She returns in here as Craig's love interest. Anna de Armas. She only has one scene. Of the yeah. whole film, she, she's not in it that much. She's only got one location, one scene, but still, she did a pretty good job. She and then, oh, um, goodness. the other two Bond girls, Naomi Harris, returns as Money Penny, um, and then Lashana Lynch, um, she's new, I think. She was an inspector, I don't think she was not, no, but she, uh, she kind of she's another double O agent in the film, uh, No Time to Die. So, but, uh, I will say it was, it was very entertaining and it was a very good outing for Daniel Craig. I'm glad he enjoyed, um, he got to have fun with his last James Bond film. It had all the classic elements of a James Bond film and it it was just very entertaining. It was every, it was everything I wanted from a James Bond film and, I think the film was worth the wait to see it in theaters. Um, I know it was delayed for a long time. There were director change-ups. It was supposed to be directed by Danny Boyle, and then he dropped out due to creative differences with MGM. And then they brought Carrie on to direct, and there were rewrites and whatnot. But still, it was it was a gruesome process <laughs> getting this film made, and it was hellish production delays. But um, it... I think it was worth it. It was everything I wanted from a James Bond film. To see a James Bond film again in the movie theater, thank God Netflix declined its $600 million offer for the, for the streaming service to acquire the film. Because, I like, in all honesty, I know I shit on streaming services a lot, but I do not think I would have enjoyed this film as much on watching it at home on Netflix as I would have seen it in the theater. And I saw it in IMAX too. And 
will say it was a pretty good IMAX experience. I was impressed that the film actually did fulfill the screen most of the time. Like I always get weary about these films that shoot like partially in IMAX or don't shoot in IMAX at all and then format it for IMAX because it's like, okay, is it actually going to fill the screen or am I still going to see fucking black bars on the top and bottom of the goddamn thing? But they did a pretty good job and I was happy with it and the sound quality too of like gunshots and crashes and whatnot. So, How was the score? Score was pretty good. It was uh, Hans Zimmer conducted the score. And, mm-hmm. um, it sounded like Hans Zimmer. But at the same time, it was also James Bond. It was a classic James Bond theme. And that's what I really enjoyed. Was It was kind of like when I saw Black Widow. Um, when me and Irvin saw Black Widow together. Mm-hmm. Me, the best part of that whole movie was hearing and seeing the Marvel logo on the movie theater screen again. Like it just it like it just felt so good to see and hear the Marvel logo on the movie theater screen again. Um after two years from the last time an MCU film had been in the theaters. And then yeah. for No Time to Die, it just felt so good to see and hear the James Bond logo, the James Bond theme, see J- Daniel Craig as JB himself, 007, on the big screen again, and these, like, exotic locations, these car chases, these motorcycle chases, running, gun firefights, and these villains with, like, their thick accents and whatnot, like, explaining their their plans for world domination and whatnot and what they will do to threaten James Bond. And it was, it was just, it was fun. It was a fun time at the movies. It was everything a fun time at the movies should be. And uh, I really enjoyed it. Just the theatrical experience and the movie itself seeing no time to die. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Okay. I guess that's all. That's all I've really got. To no, say. it's not. What would you rate it? <laughs> I would rate probably. Um, I would give it a seven point five, seven point six. You keep looking at me, so I'm looking at you like what? Oh my bad. I thought you were about to say something. Okay, cool. What? What? I was talking to my aunt, that is all. Continue your discussion about no time to die. No, 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 we're done. I'm, you can't hear anything. Also, I don't I end up. You don't repeat I don't got shit to say about the movie. <laughs> anyway, what do you rate the movie, Levi? He said a 7.5 or a 7.6. Yeah, 7.5 or 7.6. And uh, I know we were discussing it a little bit earlier in the show, but I, I wish the film the best of luck with its exclusive theatrical running. Um, this, mil- this film has got so much money down the tube that in order for it to even break even, the film needs to make $800 million worldwide. So far, it's only made $313 million worldwide. Um, and it hasn't even it hasn't even been released in China yet. It gets released in China the last weekend of October, and China is huge for James Bond. Like China loves James Bond to death, so that that is 
really what's going to be like the needle in the arm booster for this film if it needs it which it's going to need it is waiting for that china release yeah worldwide though it is doing pretty like it's doing better than they projected worldwide they projected it to make like 90 mil it's opening weekend worldwide and it made 113 mil worldwide it's opening weekend so that that was pretty damn good that it made so much better um and then it had a decent debut here domestically in the u.s with 55 million last weekend that was pretty that was better than what i thought it was going to be it's a little below what they projected it to be especially this is the record the film made it's thursday night previews were the highest grossing thursday night previews for any james bond film ever damn so yeah, better than Spectre and Skyfall. That that's pretty impressive, considering the fact that the film's released during the pandemic and it had the best Thursday night previews of any James Bond film. You know what? I might have to go see it now. <laughs> Since you're talking about Elizabeth, just gave me a thumbs down. Oh. <laughs> Elizabeth can go hear the Billie Eilish song and then leave. That's true. Levi said you can listen to the Billie Eilish song and then leave. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you right now, though, the opening titles, the opening credits with the song and, and the titles and everything, it doesn't come until like 25, 30 minutes into the film. What the fuck? Because it does, it does a flashback. The film opens with a flashback of Madeline when she was a little girl. Um... And then it cuts to present day where, again, there's a scene, there's a situation that happens and sequence that happens at the beginning of the film where Bond begins to question his relationship and his trust with Madeline. And from there, like after that, like that's when we get the title sequences and everything. It's a good, it's a good, like legit 25, 30 minutes into the film before we get that's the crazy. opening credits with the song and everything. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I, I know. Like, honestly, I was sitting in the theater there, and after the flashback happened and it cut to present day, that's when I thought, okay, now I'm going to get to finally hear the song. And no, the film kept going. And it wasn't until like 30 minutes in where I was like, damn, are they doing it differently? And I ain't going to hear this fucking song till the end credits. But then, like, it got to a point where I was like, that sequence it got to a point where i was like okay this has to be it where they transitioned to the opening titles and it was and i was like holy shit took 30 minutes into the film and yeah yeah well 10 out of 10 i would recommend go see a good movie theater experience if you haven't been back to the movies yet especially like this is the time like this would be the film I would definitely go back to have a good time to be reminded of what it is to have a good time back at the theater. Aside from all the superhero. I was going to say, really? Because I actually would probably say that for our next movie. Yeah. Okay. Yes. yes. Which I think Steven should talk about first since we got the chance to talk about something. Yeah. So, I mean, this has been the. (laughs) We have been waiting to talk about this movie since a oh. while. We waited for like oh, oh we waited for so long to talk about this movie, especially now that we've all seen it. But yeah, we can finally talk about Venom. Let there be carnage, which 
there's gonna be Man. carnage. <laughs> like, I know, honest. What's just what, no? I I I was just gonna say. I know I've said it like multiple times. I don't know if I've said it on here though. But this was legit the one film I was most upset I did not see with you guys. I know. yeah. Like out of all the films that have come out, so, even we're seeing Dune together. Like this is the one film I was legit the most upset that I did not see with you guys. Stephen, go ahead, get started with it. Oh man, <laughs> bring us the carnage. Well, yeah. So <clears throat> we got Venom. Let there be carnage. The anticipated sequel to Venom. <laughs> I mean, yes. I was anticipating the sequel because I. So I mean, for me. Personally, as like as a kid, I was like I was that kid who liked Spider Man, so of course I like Venom as a villain, and I've always had like a thing for Venom, and that sounds weird, but we won't get into that. <laughs> but I've always had an interest in like Venom as a character because I was like he's a cool person, he's like a cool thing that's like you know is a is a important part to Spider Man. And seeing that he, like, isn't really... He has, like, no, like, Spider-Man correlation in this series. Unlike how he did in um, in Spider-Man 3 when that came out all those years ago. I was a little worried when it first came out. I was like, huh, how is this going to work? We don't have a Spider-Man for him to bounce off of. But it surprisingly worked pretty okay in the first movie. I had a good... We all saw it together, and we all had a good time seeing it. And in yeah. the end, and the ending where you see Cletus, Cletus Casty like introduced to Eddie, just made me really excited because I was like, I uh, Carnage is a very good is a, once again another like very good character in that whole like mm-hmm. Venom timeline, which I will mm-hmm. get into. I'll get into that later, but I mean the. I guess to talk about like the basic plot of the movie is just it's it's super simple. It's just Cletus Cassidy becomes Carnage and Venom has to, you know, put an end to that. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Like it's Again, it's a very superhero movie. Yeah, like it's a very in on face value, it's a very simple movie. Mm-hmm. But then you like get into the details of the movie and it's a lot better. I was excited because I was like, yeah, this is going to work good. But like I said, once you get into the movie, you realize what the actual um, story is. And it's, you know, it's a very, it's a very, um, man, I, this is going to be a really strong topic to get into. This is a very fucking gay movie if you sit here and think about it for a while. <laughs> it is. <laughs> yeah, it really is. It, it this is the this is the welcome. This is like you know with love, but it's like you, you sit there, you're just like, man, there are some like very like noticeable like undertones when you get into this movie. Like right off the bat, Venom and Eddie, it's like very like it's very it's not so subtle. When you like from the from the beginning of the movie, it's like right there, and it's uh-huh. just like it just keeps going, and you're just like, huh? Didn't expect this to be in this movie, but it's a welcome, it's a welcome addition. 
which honestly like it plays into how like venom and eddie are just in general whether you're talking about this movie or just how the comics are in general Mm -hmm. you know they have to live with each other and cooperate with each other so they can't really have like a strong fight or a disagreement because things just kind of don't work well where you know honestly i'm just gonna just start jumping into spoilers since we all have seen this yes and since we've all seen it i'm gonna and as of the recording i'm gonna mark a uh timestamp for the beginning of the spoilers and the end of the spoilers so if people want to skip spoiler section you can do that so i'll just keep that in mind so um pretty much the plot of this movie is a couple months it's been like a few months since the initial incident with evil elon musk and uh, well not evil elon musk just elon musk um it's been it's been a few months since the elon musk incident with venom and riot and the police are still like investigating them in general so they're kind of laying low which means that venom can't eat people which doesn't really go for venom because venom just needs to eat people because of the part of the it's like a super specific part in the brain that's only found in brain in human brains and chocolate but he needs to eat that to you know kind of survive but eddie is kind of just like you know can't do that that's kind of rude to other people and the police are investigating us so we can't really go out and do vigilante justice right now and it starts to cause a rift between the two of them because it's causing it's causing Venom to like lash out at Eddie and start fights with him and just kinda like just mess him up in general. And you see that off the bat where like when they just start arguing in the beginning and you see how it escalates when he eventually like starts to actually abuse Eddie mm-hmm. because he's not getting what he wants. He literally says like the common abuse line of he punches Eddie and he's like, that's not me. I'm sorry, that's not me. And you're just like, wow, this is just like, this is an abuse relationship, which Eddie immediately realizes and wants to cut Venom off because after he finds out that um, and his girl, his fiance for like all of like two seconds in the first movie <laughs> before he um destroys his before he unintentionally destroys his life gets married to uh the doc- Dr. Dan from the first movie as well. They get engaged together and Venom's not having it and so is Eddie, but Eddie's, you know, better at hiding it to a degree. But yeah, it that also causes a further rift between the two of them and eventually ends with them getting separated because they need the space from each other. And yeah, before and during it all, Eddie has been talking with Cletus because for some reason Cletus just kept thrown in attachment to Eddie and is constantly wanting to see him and he's kind of help he's kind of like giving Eddie hints to solve the unsolved mysteries of where all the bodies that he's left behind are and that's happening and it also plays into the rift between Eddie and Venom because they're fighting and Eddie is 
Eddie, Eddie gets help from Venom about where a good chunk of the bodies are. Eddie finds the bodies with Venom's help, but takes the credit because you kind of can't give actual credit to a symbiote alien living inside you. But Venom doesn't really, you know, appreciate that, and I don't think most people would. So it causes just a further rift between the two, and it ends up, and that's really what ends causes them to fight with each other physically, which mm-hmm. ends with them separating with each other. But, but and it, it, it leads to that. And as that happens, they end up inadvertently causing the death, causing the what would be death of Cletus Cassidy because they just get him sent right to the electric, right to um, death row and yep. lethal, lethal, lethal injection. So yeah, he they, said they, they, re, they said they were reinstating lethal injection, like solely for just Cletus, for him, just yeah. for Cletus Cassidy. <laughs> yeah, like they're just like, like you get. Like, they're like, yeah, I know we've outlawed this for a long time, but you're a real piece of shit. So you deserve. <laughs> we're gonna, yeah, we're just... gonna bring the, we're gonna break the law just for you. <laughs> yeah, they're just like they're just like you get you get lethal injection, you know, just just as a treat, you get lethal injection. But it um it it all starts going pretty well. Eddie gets Eddie starts like getting some remnants of his life together because he's back in the spotlight after everything happened. But he gets a chance. He Cletus wants to see him one more time before execution. And as he's talking to Cletus, as Cletus is talking to him, Cletus, you know, knows how to get under people's skin because that's kind of what sociopaths can do to people sometimes. So therefore, he um starts talking shit about Eddie's home life, and it causes Eddie and also Venom to get aggressive. About get upset about it, but it's Venom who inadvertently causes what becomes the mess of Cletus becoming Carnage because he causes Eddie to lash out at Cletus. And once Cletus bites Eddie, he gets a taste of um, Venom in him. And once he licks the blood of Eddie, he slowly, he ingests a small part of the symbiote, which becomes um, literally him. Yes. Which leads into the birth of Carnage. And from that point on, it's literally just, you know, hey, Carnage is causing chaos and, well, Carnage. This can't keep going. And it just ends up being a story of just Eddie and Venom once again learning just to put aside the differences and cooperate. Learning how to, I guess, romantically be together and just learn how to get along, even though all your even though you two might have big differences, it's a story just getting along with your partner. Which yep. feels weird to say, but that's just what the movie is. And yeah, I just, I had a really good time with this movie. I'm not surprised I had a good time with it, but man, I just sat, I sat there after the credits and I was like, this is like a, a surprisingly like solid movie and I don't know if it's just how much I like the plot or was it just because the runtime got cut down by half an hour so things run a little better mm-hmm. and it might be that because the movie is um the movie gets cut from like half an hour like a it gets cut by half an hour so it goes from like a two hour movie like from the it goes from what the first one was like almost a two hour movie to like a little over 90 minutes was what the second one is. 
and it just it makes things go faster, which is not much of a hindrance, honestly. To me, it works very well because things get rolling a little quicker, but when they know when they need to slow down, they know to slow down, and it mm-hmm. just works. It worked really well. Um, I'm trying to figure out what else do I, what else do I want to say before, I guess, before I open the floor to the rest of y'all. Um, I don't know. I guess everything else I got to say just kind of works for the rest of, um, the rest of us to discuss pretty much. Yeah. So yeah, now I just want to know what you guys think of the movie. I mean, I personally enjoyed it. Um, I know it's not like, so one of my friends, one of my friends, uh, saw this movie, um, cause he heard me talking about it and he was like, this movie was bad. I was like, yeah, but I'm, I'm I also, I'm like the Venom movies aren't good. Like they're not great movies, Yeah, but they're fun as hell. And yeah. That, that was good enough for me. Like, the movies are goofy. Mm-hmm. But they they are so fun. Compa- like, I don't want to, like, compare them to, like, to, like other superhero movies or anything like that. But in a way, you kind of have to. But, mm-hmm. like, the humor in, in the Venom movies is different than the humor in the, in the MCU movies. Yeah. But it's also, like, the Venom movies just embrace how goofy comic books can be. Yeah, I which I think is a, this is a plus. Them. Yeah, I absolutely love them for that reason. Like, like, Cletus Cassidy becomes Carnage because he bit Eddie Brock and got part of the Venom symbiote in him. Like, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's just crazy. Yeah. It's just like it's just like that's not supposed to make sense. Yeah, but that's the point. <laughs> it's just, it, I don't know. Like, like, like I said, they're they're goofy as hell, but I can't help but love them. Like, yeah, you can tell while filming that Tom Hardy's just having a blast. Of course, um, like I even in the first one, Tom Hardy had a great time just being oh, literally yeah. both Venom and Eddie, and. And I'll say this. I don't think I've seen an Andy Circus directed movie, but I think he did a pretty good job. Yeah. yeah. I kept forgetting that Andy Circus did direct this movie, and I was like, well, damn. This is, like, pretty solid. Yeah. Levi? Whoa. You what do you have to say about the movie? Oh, I liked it so much better than the first one. Like, holy shit. I was going to say that, too. I I enjoyed it more than the first. Like, okay. So, I've only only seen the first one twice in my life. Like, all the way through. (laughs) The Mm -hmm. first time ever was in the movie theater with you guys. And then the second time, I watched it a week before I went and saw Let There Be Carnage. (laughs) And the first time I saw the when I saw the first one in theaters with you guys, I walked out thinking, it's okay. Like, it wasn't good, but it wasn't bad. It was okay. Can't wait to see it on FX all the time. And funny <laughs> enough, but literally funny enough, this past week, American Horror Story. Um, 
Venom was on and ended right before American Horror Story on FX. (laughs) Like, I turned the TV on, and it was the post-credits scene of, there's gonna be carnage. And then it, like, did the speedy credits, and American Horror Story came on. But, um... Uh, I was like, I just turned the TV on. I was like, oh, fucking course. <laughs> but, um, but, um, and then when I watched it the second time in my life, like a week before I saw Let There Be Carnage, um, watching it a second time, it's a pretty bad fucking movie. Like, <laughs> yeah. The, I, I didn't, I didn't realize it the first time we saw it just because it was probably like, the experience of seeing it for the first time in the theater and everything, thinking it's okay. But then after watching it a second time here at home, it's the first one is pretty fucking awful. Like it, it is not a good movie at all. Yeah. But you know what? I still enjoy it. Uh, <laughs> that is true. Like it's it's one of those I've, like I've seen it a re- couple times now, and like I know it's bad, but I still enjoy watching it. Yeah. Um, but let there be carnage. I will say this: I was scared and worried at first because the way the film like starts out and everything, with how quickly they're able to like expose Cletus Cassidy and everything, um, for him to get yeah. the death sentence and whatnot, like that whole situation, I was pretty mm-hmm. nervous because I was like, okay, that happened way too fast. We're like moving like. We're moving at like ludicrous speed on this film already. And it just reminded me of how fast like the first one was with how him and Annie like broke up and he lost his job all within the first like 10 minutes of the fucking film. And I was like, oh my good God damn, like we are flying through this. Um, so I, I was nervous at first, but then it hit the, then it like immediately hit the brakes, slowed down and was about Venom and, uh, Eddie's relationship, and I will say for it being a short period of time, for the movie only being an hour and a half, mm-hmm. I was still still pleased with the amount we got to see Carnage on screen. Mm, yes, like yes. I, I I was a little worried with that too. I was like, okay, it's an hour and a half. How much of Carnage are we actually going to get to see? Are it's going to be get... just like Riot. We're only going to see him for the last yeah. like 10 minutes. <laughs> Literally. And then it's... we're going to wrap it all up real quick. Yes. That, that's what I was scared about. Was like After like so much hype and anticipation for us to see Carnage, I was like, oh no. And then it was taking a little while for us to get there. And I was like, oh no. But th- this movie was on like high octane the entire yeah. time like th- this movie moved pretty fast it only and slowed I'm, down for like i'm gonna be honest it yeah. didn't it, it didn't really feel like an hour and a half to me it did no it didn't it did it felt a little longer than an hour and a half I yeah thought. i i was sitting there watching it and when you first see carnage like when he breaks out i'm thinking all right so we're in the third act <laughs> nope and then you're like no this is like the end of like, the first act. And then I was like, oh shit. How much time has gone by? <laughs> like, I, I didn't look at my watch, but I was like, like as it kept going, I'm like, oh, we're not almost done with the movie. Never mind. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, so I, I was pretty pleased with the amount of screen time we got of Carnage and got to see him like lash out and see the two of them battle it out. 
Um, yeah, I was. I think I told. I mentioned this to Brendan once I saw the movie, but I, I'm not surprised because even in the first one, Venom looked pretty good. But I was, you know, wondering how would both of these symbiotes look on screen together, and holy shit, they actually look really good together on screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which yeah, I I was I was surprised because you know for a while you get to see both of them separated and you're just like okay this makes it makes sense that they look good on screen separate but then you get to see them together for like all of the third act of the movie and you're just like this is really this is really solid together you it's know not what? a mess it's not a mess like it was in the first movie you know what I really liked in this one. What? During the final fight with Venom and Carnage, seeing Venom and, well, Eddie and Cletus get separated from the symbiotes throughout the fight and then have, and them having to, like, like fight each other, like, yeah. as humans, yes. was really cool. Like, yeah. because they'd, they'd put the symbiotes on, they'd start fighting, the bell would ring, they'd freak out they'd lose the symbiotes then they'd have to fight each other like as humans then once everything settles down they get to become the symbiotes again and it was just back and forth like that was really cool and it it made it really tense like that, that was it, awesome yeah that and it also just once it also hammers home just like how pretty much the third act hammers home the how strong the bonds are between like eddie and venom versus how it is with Cletus and Carnage, and that's something I want to I want to talk about. Like that's just one one problem I kind of have with the movie, and it's it's coming from a comic book fan. Yeah, I'm gonna be a fucking nitpicker. <laughs> I mean, I gonna... I know where you're I know where you're going, and I do agree with in, what you're probably about to say. Yeah, in the comics. Cletus Cassidy and Carnage have the strongest symbiosis with each other. Even stronger than Eddie and Venom. And that's shown because in the comics and in the movies, Eddie and Venom refer to themselves as we, as a plural. Because it's two separate beings. There's Eddie and there's Venom. But when Cletus and Carnage combine even when he is Carnage, he says, I am Carnage. There is no we because they're the same. Like, they are that connected. Yeah. And that's, like, the only real, like, nitpick that I have with the movie. And I understand why they did it because if they did that, we clearly fucking saw there's no way that Eddie and Venom would have been able to beat. <laughs> yeah. So they had to do that. Yeah, because but... isn't, isn't the whole thing of, you know, when Carnage first comes around, he literally has to be like, hey, Spider-Man, um, I can't do this solo. I need your help. Yeah. yeah, Venom has to get Spider-Man's help because Carnage whoops the shit out of him. <laughs> yeah, which, I mean, so still happens to, it Venom still happens in this movie. back to... Uh, has to travel back to New York and be like, hey, I fucked up and I made this guy 
and we gotta stop him. <laughs> yeah. Like and like he still gets his ass beat by Carnage in this movie. Like it's very much a it's very oh, much yeah. one sided. But it's when you start um it's when you realize that Shriek, which oh my god, we have not talked about Shriek, which is not which is something that kind of needs to be talked about because she plays a, a somewhat a decent part of a movie because she's what drives Cletus to, you know, keep doing what he's doing throughout the movie. Yeah. I'm going to be honest. Uh-huh. I, I know it's comic accurate. Yeah. Like, I don't know how I really felt about that. What, the about relationship the... between um between the two of them? Yeah, I think it worked, but also, I don't know. Like, Cletus um, Cassidy is, like, the most sadistic dude you could imagine. Yeah. And I I personally felt like we didn't need a relationship to be the reason why he's doing the things that he does. Yeah, I mean, that's the, like, the whole point of Cletus is just, like, I fucking kill all these people because I want to, because I feel like it. Yeah. And he just does what he does because of just off of like impulse and just because he wants to do something. He's just like, I'm going to kill people. I don't know. I just, I thought the relationship was okay in the movie. Mm-hmm. But I felt like it kind of took away part of Cletus's character. And like yeah. I said, I know it's, I know it's comic accurate and stuff because Carnage and Shriek are a thing in the comics. Mm-hmm. But. I feel like we didn't need it for the movie and it would have been mm-hmm. better to see Cletus just as like a serial killer who gets amped up with superpowers and mm-hmm. seeing how terrifying that would be seeing more of and that. He, and that's what he does. Cause there, cause it, when the scene, when he's not with street, you get to see him just do what he does by himself with carnage and it's awesome to see it happen. Yeah. But when he gets when he gets to do stuff with um Shriek, it kind of gets weighed down a little bit. Yeah. But yeah. also also one of my favorite things, which I am so surprised they actually did, was um show the fact that Carnage can actually travel through like the internet. Yeah. Because that's such yeah. a small thing that he can do. Because it's only brought up like, and it's not brought up often in comics that he can do it. Yeah. And once I saw, it is so cool that we see that happen because it's only brought up in the comics like every now and then. And I think someone just put it in there just to be like a this is just a random thing he can do, but people don't talk about it. It's like I was watching a video about it. I was watching a video about Carnage last week and someone brought it up which is the only reason why i know this power exists and even they say this doesn't happen off this is, this is like a really just off the off like the beaten path power that carnage has but it's really cool that it exists and it should be talked about more and when he brought up in this i was i like saw him open up the here and i was like oh wow they actually like are putting this in the movie which you know this movie's already goofy as hell so I'm not surprised they put it in there. But yeah, it was a good thing to see. And oh yeah, the one 
I think the big, the one other thing that um I wanted to talk about with Venom and Eddie versus Cletus and Carnage is um how Cletus works as a perfect foil for Venom and Eddie. Mm-hmm. Because um, I noticed it a lot when I was watching the movie, and off the gate, like off the jump, when um, like when you, when Venom and Eddie mold together, like he learns that yes. Venom is in him. He learns that Venom is him is in him because Venom just starts talking. Like they have a conversation in his head, and that's how you know that Venom is there. And once they bond, they just start talking to each other and you know, the enemy. However, when when Carnage and Cletus come out of the um like the well the death chamber is what I can call it, what I'll call it. When they come out the death chamber, they don't talk. They immediately just like roar and it happens for the entire prison break scene. There is yeah. no pe- there is not a single there's only one piece of dialogue in that scene. And it's when he randomly forms a tornado, and gets, which <laughs> I don't, which I was just like, "What the fuck is this?" Yeah, like I can, you know what? I can, I can stick, I can stick here with internet powers, but a tornado is where I draw the line. <laughs> I can excuse internet powers, but I draw the line. <laughs> Fine at tornadoes, but, um, <laughs> but it's sorry. only when he yeah. But it's only when he um come when he like just repeats what the warden says. He's just like any last words, and that's the only thing that like he says. And it's because that it's because Cletus comes out of like transformation and says it. It's not them talking together, yeah. and it, and he just kind con- you don't really hear you don't hear Carnage as a symbiote talk until they're in the car together when they steal the car. And they drive off and they're on the highway. That is the first time you get to hear Cletus and Carnage talk to each other. And to me, that just solidifies the why Venom and why Venom and Carnage are so different. Because when Venom and Eddie are together, they are more human than monster. But when yes. Carnage and Cletus are together, they are more monster than man. And you hear and it's very obvious because of like how Carnage as Carnage and Cletus just like don't talk much. They just roar and are incredibly aggressive. While Venom and Eddie are just like talk to each other and talk to Cletus and actually think out solutions. Yes. Instead of just forcing it, which is what Cletus is just used to doing. I was going to say something else real quick about how that's displayed visually. Um, And it's like you can see how different they are because at the end when they're going to fight each other, when Mm -hmm. Venom and Eddie turn into Venom, you can see that the Venom symbiote sort of like comes out of the back of Eddie and sort of like wraps around him. Mm-hmm. But when Cletus turns into Carnage, you can see the Carnage symbiote is pretty much like ripping out of Cletus and yeah. take like like taking control of him and like like twisting his body and all of that. It's a very like violent and aggressive transformation. 
as yeah. opposed to Eddie and Venom's, where it's yeah. just sort of him like rapping over him, like as opposed to him. ripping him apart and taking over. Yeah, and also one other really cool thing that I I, I did like is when you see in some shots of when you see um, Carnage just like moving around and how like the symbiote flows out of him, you can see that it looks like DNA strands. Yes, I noticed that. Because, you know, the Carnage, Carnage is not just a symbiote. Carnage is literally Cletus. Yes. Like he is Cletus's blood. So you, like, that's like one of the biggest things about Carnage is you cannot really kill the Carnage symbiote because Mm -hmm. it's just Cletus. And if you kill the source, as long as there's some, like, piece of blood that belongs to Cletus, Carnage will always come back. Yeah. And, yeah, I like that. I thought that was a really, like, small but really fun detail in that. And yeah, that's kind of like my, that's like my set, like my biggest takeaway from the movie as a whole is just like seeing how the two symbiote combos are against each other, and it just works really, really well. Yeah. And then the you know after that fight, you kind of just wonder they they you just realize that oh, um, they killed off Cletus. Yeah, which yeah. um was not expecting that one. Yeah, like he same. was kind of disappointed about that. Same, like I was like, "Huh, he's not gonna actually eat Cletus," but no, he does. And you're just like, "Well, fuck, how's that gonna um work in the next movie if they decide to bring back bring back um Cletus?" Because he he has no head. Well, we could talk about that post credit scene that could give us an answer. Yeah, yeah. Levi, yeah. Levi, you were excited to for uh, us to see it to talk about the post credit scene. scene. So, do you yeah. want to talk about that real quick before oh, we bring in our guest? Sure. So there he be, Eddie Brock and Venom having an intimate conversation with each other, lying on the bed in a cabana. To their, uh... I guess, um... Surprise? Surprise? Holy what is, shit. What, is their... <laughs> what, what, well, what happens to them? What do their eyes appear? <gasps> They're in a new location. There's a flash of orange. And they're in a new orange? location... Yes, it was orange. Oh, Damn, I thought it was green. Yeah, remember, I, knew, I knew you were... <laughs> <laughs> I fucking you, knew. You, you gotta remember, but it's colorblind. Oh my god. I was trying to explain it to Elizabeth when I got home. And I was like, I don't know if it was a flash of green or a flash of yellow. But it, it was, was one of those colors. It was a flash was of orange. orange. It was like, oh, you know, it, it makes sense. It was like Doctor Strange's portal powers. Yes. And there's a flash of orange, and then all of a sudden, it's a new location. Like, And it's, they're it's both a, confused as fuck. And there, there's a swan folded up in a, in a, in a, in a towel, like a towel folded up like a swan next to them. And they're like, what the fuck is going on? 
what what yeah. the hell just happened? What was that? And then on the TV in front of them is none other than J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson. Yes! And it's the fucking yeah. news report at the end of Far From Home, and it exposes Tom Holland's Peter Parker as Spider-Man. So, and this- <laughs> I, I don't know if you guys noticed, that was new footage. Yeah, that is new footage. I, and, yeah, I- like, it actually showed Peter Parker... In the Spider-Man costume without his mask on. Yes. Like, yeah, that's a new, in the middle that's of the a new scene. Like a conspiracy anymore? Like like some people so, think it is in Far From so, Home? Or do people so actually me, know? So I want to put out like a, like a, I guess a timeline to a degree of how that plays into everything. So honestly, like because the move, I feel like Far No Way Home is going to start off with Jay Jonah Jason being like, "Hey, um, Peter Parker is Spider Man." Like, I feel it's like gonna it's pick like a, up immediately where it left off. Yeah, and yeah. this is gonna be like an expose, which is gonna happen. Which I feel like it's gonna be like a big thing because I think he's gonna say that it's a that it's that, but of course, no one's going to believe him because that's just kind of how Jay Jonah Jason works. No one's gonna fuck believe him that little fucking Peter Parker is Spider Man. <laughs> However, once you know. Obviously, once Doctor Strange puts the spell on to separate Spider-Man from Peter, he can take off the mask and not have to really worry about it to a degree. How would that think, work? What do you mean by that? Oh, fuck. I'm trying to think. Cause that, that He's using the spell to make people forget. Okay, so I feel like he does it before. Yeah, so he has to do it before he does the spell. Yeah. But I guess because they're... Yeah, so that's what I think. Yeah, that's what he'll like expose himself. And then realize, huh, that's not a smart thing to do. And that's where, you know, he goes to Doctor Strange. He's just like, hey, I need some help. And once, I guess, he separates them and this whole spell goes wrong, I think as soon as the spell starts going wrong and affecting other dimensions is when that shift from whatever universe Venom is in transfers him into the MCU. And it'll be like, you know, because I guess because, you know, time differences, because he's in a, who knows where the fuck he is, actually. But he's nowhere near, like, you know, the time zone of New York. So that'll be a different delay of events. So he'll see it. And on, and I think the most important thing is about this is that he has seen J. Jonah Davidson talk about Peter. And you know that J. Jonah Davidson does not like Spider-Man at all. Mm-hmm. So he calls him a villain outright on the TV, and that's the cop. That's like the last conversation that they have before they see it, is because Venom's just like, I want to fight a new person, you know. I want to, I want to go out and be a hero. And he sees, you know, Tom Holland, and he gets labeled as a villain. And Venom's just like, I have our ah, next target. Ah, you're right, because this Venom is a hero. Yeah, this is so, a hero Venom. J. Not Jonah Jameson saying that Spider-Man's a villain makes him think make sense that he as is to a why villain. he would want to fight Spider-Man. Yeah, because he thinks that Peter's doing harm so, to people, which is not happening. So, yeah, because J. Jonah Jameson said that Spider-Man killed the hero Mysterio. Mm-hmm. So, so then here's the question, guys. Do you think Venom is going to be in No Way Home? Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. He's going to be in No Way Home. They, they, 
I know there was like rumors that they were going to switch Morbius and Venom Let There Be Carnage like around like their release dates, but there was no fucking way that could have happened. Like Let There Be Carnage had before No Spider Man No Way Home. Yeah. And I, I bet you the other reason too is I bet you when Eternals comes out is when we're going to get a final trailer for Spider-Man No Way Home and oh, they'll yeah. show and they'll show a glimpse of Venom in it. Kind of the way they did with um Avengers uh, Endgame and Captain uh-huh. Marvel. Like yeah. they waited a week for Captain Marvel to be out before they released the final trailer for Endgame to show yeah. Captain Marvel is in Endgame. Mm-hmm. And, and so I bet you that's what they are waiting for. Let there be carnage had to come out before No Way Home. And they're letting it run in theaters for a month before the final trailer, which will show a glimpse of Venom in Tom Hardy's Venom in uh, No Way Home. I feel like and I feel like the trailer is going to show like all of the all of the villains that we're going to see in this movie, because, you know, we already know that we have, you know, we have Alfred Doc, Molina as Doc, Doc, Doc Ock. We had Jamie Foxx as Electro. We got Willem we, Dafoe as Green yeah. Goblin. And we go! actually, and we actually now have Tom Hardy as Venom. We have four members of a would-be Sinister Six. Uh, they, they, and, they're saying that uh, that Lizard is going to be in it too. Lizard is the amazing Spider-Man. Breeze Iphon's going to come back. Yeah. Or he'll just have a different voice person because I feel like once he's turned into the lizard, you can kind of have anybody else under that. <laughs> here's here's the question though: Who's our last Will, number? So so there's speculation like we're all praying and hoping to God that Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire show up as well as Spider Man in the film. Mm-hmm. But will will Topher Grace's Eddie Brock Venom? No, pop no. <laughs> No, I fucking hope. No, I hope. I hope that I really don't want to see Topher Grace's Venom again. Oh my god! Okay, legit. During that final scene in the church between Carnage and Venom, I was dead ass getting Spider Man three vibes. I don't know if any of you guys. No, I was too. Yeah, I I got the same vibes. Yes, like I was watching it and I couldn't. I was getting Spider Man three and two thousand three Daredevil vibes. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. But yeah, those were. Yeah, I'm. I, I've already been excited for No Way Home, but after seeing Venom, like after seeing this movie, I'm just like, yeah. Now I need to see it. Also, it feels so weird to finally be able to put Venom and Venom Let There Be Carnage in the MCU timeline. Yeah. Yeah, I had to move the movies over on my show. You you think you think they would have ran into Ant-Man in San Francisco? Yeah, since they're both yeah. in San Francisco. You think they would have well, ran into Ant-Man? Well, different something. universes, Ant-Man doesn't exist in their universe. True, that's true. That's so, true. Yeah, yep. technically so they in, just got transported to the MCU, so they didn't. Yeah. Have True. Okay, that that's fair. And since, like, the in the Venom universe, the only like hero that takes that we know of literally is Venom. Yeah, we have no regulation. It's like if there are any other like heroes at all. Which, honest, which you know, I guess also now like the intro, like the trailer of Morbius makes a little sense now that we know that um they're getting transferred over. 
Yeah, considering with Morbius the ran into uh, ran into Vulture. Yeah, like in the just trailer. makes sense now. But yeah, this is I'm super excited, and I really cannot wait to see because now we have you know we have a good chunk of the Sinister Six confirmed to a degree. We're just literally at this point we're missing what potentially one more member who could be anybody because like we have you know we we that's the thing we have two which is what I was I was thinking about this when I thought about the casting is you have two villains from each um universe because you got Willem Dafoe as Green Goblin, Alfred Vermina as Doc Ock from you know Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. They got Elect- yeah. Jamie Foxx and Electro, and we have the Lizard from, you know, Andrew Garfield Universe. And now with this one, you have Tom Hardy Venom coming in for the top. Tom Hardy Venom coming in. Guys, with, the with sixth who person could be the for last the Sinister Six is, is going to be Morbius. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> no, it's not. I'll, I honestly, I don't. It, you can, it could either be Vulture breaks out of prison again. Or Scorpion. Or, or Scorpion. It could be the, it could be literally either or because we haven't had we haven't really had any other villains introduced from this world because you know Mysterio's dead so we can't have him unless you know plot twist he makes an illusion that made it people seem like he's dead yeah which you know would make sense because that's some shit that Mysterio would do yeah but yeah I mean all in all I'm all in all. We all had a good time seeing Venom, and we're excited to see where he'll fit in the MCU and how that'll work. Also, I feel like the the interaction between Venom and Peter will be really funny. Yes. Yes, it will. Well, um, if we're done, we should give our ratings for the movie. (sighs) Steven, you go first. Oh goodness! Okay, um, I give Venom. Let there be carnage. Oh goodness! I guess I'll give it like a. I'll I'll give it a solid like seven. It's like a really it's a pretty entertaining movie that I had you know, some nice secondary takeaways from. So Levi, what do you give it? Oh, I'd give it like a six point nine. 6.8. You can't uh-huh. just give it a fucking 7. <laughs> no. Maybe nope. maybe a solid 7, but I'm leaning more towards like a 6.9. I would give Venom Let There Be Carnage also a solid 7. Okay, okay. Got a lot of 7s tonight, boys. I yeah. know, we're just like you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> and yeah, we act. We have our this. We have our like first like set of movies done. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> we have our second guest, our good friend of our friend group, Adriana. Best Say friend. hello. Yes, best friend of the friend group. <laughs> hello, listeners. The moment you've all been waiting for. My arrival. <laughs> Fuck's sake. <laughs> they, wouldn't, they wouldn't let me in. The women are here. Your female audience has oh. They've checked in. Well, I mean, now we're in our, like, free ball session. Our of discussion. 
Not, no, we're not in our fucking flop era. We won't be in our flop <laughs> era. For like a, we won't. We won't be in our flop era for maybe like another like five episodes. Something you've seen recently that you want to talk about? <sighs> well, I forced Brendan to watch Borat for the first time the other day. She did. Oh, God. I'm a huge <laughs> Borat supporter, but not for the reason you think. <laughs> Um, okay. I need to elaborate on that. Because, you know, Borat was a real cultural centerpiece at the time. Uh, it came out in 2006. And I mean in the sense of everything bad about rural America combined into one person where someone would watch it in rural America and be like, yeah, I agree with that. And the people who like had yep. their brains on correctly are like, what? And I think that's very important. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Alright. That's completely fair, though. Just, like, take a clip of that, like, cut that down, and then just, like, put, alright. Alright. I'm kidding. That's not the real reason. I love Sasha Baron Cohen, and I think all his characters, while super inappropriate, really master satire. Um, in the most genuine sense, not like how satire has been skewed today, where um, satire is sometimes considered bullying or like roasting when it's genuine commentary at the end of the day about like fucked up thoughts that real people have. Yeah, that's fair. That that was yeah. what Borat was. Yeah. yeah. I, um, yeah. It was yeah, the personification I, of it. I'm hitting you guys with real deep knowledge, no. and all I'm getting is silence. <laughs> I'm like, you, you just. <laughs> I was waiting for other people to talk about the movie, considering me, like, me and you have seen it. I didn't yeah, know. I don't I've know if, like, it. Stephen or Levi have seen it. Yeah, I've seen it before, and I saw it once. I've only seen it once. However, Same. which is enough. I'm like, yeah. it, it, it still sticks with me, because it's one of those movies that just, like, you see it, and it just kind of, like, lives in the back of your head rent-free for a while. Oh, for sure. And, for like, sure. like, and like you said, it's a good, it's a good satire of, like you said, weird people that have fucked up thoughts and put into, a, put into perspective. Mm-hmm. And also, like, I don't know, I, I watched it with, like, a different set of friend groups, so I found it a lot more humorous to, because I was with a different group of people. I don't know mm. if I'll find it funny nowadays. When did I mean, you watch the, it? Yeah, when did you watch it's, it? I mean, it was like, what? What was it, like, two? Three? No, it was like, it was, I mean, it was like three years ago. It was like 2018 is when I watched it. See, the thing really? is with, like, those kind of movies, though, is that they continue to age poorly in, like, a woke sense. Like, yeah. none of those jokes fly, would never fly. They aren't mm. flying with, like, anyone else saying them. But you, like, for me, which I think is what a lot of people, like, who we want to get real for a second, have a hard time with, is thinking about, like, of course, certain things that are said are not okay. But sometimes we have to remember that the time in which they came out, it was, like, more socially acceptable than it was now. It doesn't yeah. make it okay. Yeah. doesn't make it okay. But it's, like, if you're, you're, like, essentially watching something that came out, like, over a decade ago two decades ago almost mm-hmm. like it's a different time so that's kind of where i get from like it's okay but i will say 
Borat 2 and the dad qualities of it, um, that's where I become a big fan. <laughs> I still need to watch Borat 2. I have not seen that yet. Edgerron is going to force me to watch Borat 2. I'm too, forcing so. him to watch it. But I'm trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to think. I've been all summer um, since I'm departing shortly from the city. I've been trying Absolute to get... Sadness. Yes. Absolute sadness. Uh, I've been trying to get Brendan, um, his girlfriend Elizabeth, and their bestie and roommate Becca to watch like a new trilogy or uh, section of cringe movies that they've never seen before. Oh my god! Oh, no, that so we she has. Shown I think us, that's lovely. She has I've shown heard, us yeah, all ahead. of the Twilight movies. She I've shown us all yeah, three of the Kissing Booth movies. Mm-hmm. And she is now forcing us to watch the after movies. Yeah, we need to talk about this because I don't think like this the, is more for Levi. This is like <laughs> even, have you seen have what? you seen after? No, I was gonna say this wait, wait, is like wait. the nine circles of hell. No, it's not, Brendan. No, wait, Levi, I feel do like. Do you know what after is? Do I know what after is? Do you know what after is? Isn't about a guy and a girl who just have a lot of sex. Yeah, but do you, know who that guy, do you know who that guy is based off of? Oh, no. Do you know? <laughs> yeah. Yes or no? Do you know who it's based off of? <laughs> is, 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 I think, I have an idea who it's based off of. Say as it. To, as to Say why you're referencing out me. Loud. Say it. Out loud. Say it out loud. Christian motherfucking Gray. No! Oh, no! oh, thank God. Thank oh, God. it's okay, worse, no, it's Levi. Worse. It's, oh, worse. it's worse than okay, that. Silence, silence, silence. Okay, ready? It is based on a fan fiction for Harry Styles. Oh, fuck me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Levi, the guy's name no. in the movie. No. No, it's not. No, it's not. Is Harden Scott. <sighs> and he has the accent. No. And he has. No. That's all, impossible. <laughs> all of the same tattoos that Harry Styles has. No, he doesn't. That's impossible. No, yes, he doesn't. He does. This is a lie. Good. I'm telling you. I'm telling you the truth. All so. of the male characters in After are based off of the 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 band members of One Direction. No, yep. no, yep. it's not. Yep. <laughs> Guys, look into look into your heart. Look into your heart, Levi. You know it to be true. No, so I think this is I think this is essential viewing for Levi upcoming. <sighs> it it has to be. It's a required viewing, just like Critters Three. Is a required viewing for for Levi. Yep. <laughs> These yep. motherfuckers are they all on Netflix? So no. after one is on Netflix. After two is on Netflix. After three comes out the same day that Dune does on Amazon Prime. Oh, I got Amazon Prime. We Gucci. Oh, and I and I made Brendan watch his most favorite movie ever. Now Project X. That actually oh was a God. good movie. Project X is such a fun movie. It Project is X the... actually was a good movie. Like I, I thoroughly enjoyed watching Project X. 
It was yeah, Project the X best is like solid movie. Top ten best teen movies ever. You know what? I'm gonna say it. Project X is a time piece. It's a period piece movie. It's gonna be our generation's Citizen Kane. It uh... is. Project X is a moment that just encapsulates what 2012 was. It's a period piece. It's got Miles Teller in it. <laughs> Playing himself. Before he was anti-vax. Yeah. Oh, but God. a little... Uh, God, what a time. What it. a time. What a... F- God damn it. It was fantastic. Great, Wait, great movie. I hate to go back, Uh-oh. but... The After series. Okay. Josephine Langford. That Catherine Langford's sister? Yes, yep. it is. I think she's, in my opinion, a little bit of a better actress. Josephine Langford is better than Catherine Langford? You can't... Okay, they were both in crappy teen... <laughs> okay. You know what? I'm hooked. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> yes! We should watch Party This. Levi, no. it's bad. Okay. It's bad, oh, but it's bad. So okay. Good. Okay. Th- this is what I'm so talking good. about. You you know it's bad, Brendan. It's like I don't even know who you are. You watch Twilight. You watch the Kissing Booth. You watch the After series. It's like holy shit. This is the stuff. Like I don't even know if we're friends. Like this is the okay, shit well, from the same guy who watched who willingly watched Thirteen Reasons Why. Oh my god! Don't even get me started. And Riverdale. <laughs> don't even. Okay, I have to make fun of you for that one. You watched past season one. I, I've only seen season one. I have not watched past oh, season Oh, okay, then one. I can't make fun of you then, because season one's good. Season <laughs> yeah, one's good. thank you! See, that's but what I keep saying. Two, season one is actually good. Everything after that is bad. 13 Reasons Why, I will literally never, ever forgive anyone for making that show what it was. Damn. It was harmful. It was incredibly harmful. That is my onion about it. I, that's my onion about it because I I literally after I watched that show, even when I skipped the uh, incredibly pinnacle moment that everyone was waiting for for thirteen goddamn episodes, like I had to go to therapy. <laughs> no cap. Damn. Traumatizing, and I remember I would go online and I would read how like traumatized other people were about it. Horrible. It was a very controversial show. Yes. It did divide audience members. Yes, it and did. And I'm on the negative. I'm on the negative. I don't give a shit about 13 reasons why. I want to talk about fucking Riverdale because I'm caught <laughs> up on Riverdale. I God damn it. I, I have nothing to contribute. <laughs> also, um, Levi, how dare you disrespect the Twilight movies? Oh, my God. Here we fucking... Not you two. Are you anti-Boo-Boo Stewart? I... What? You're a a Boo-Boo anti. I don't fuck with Boo-Boo antis. What? Lee doesn't know what that means. Okay, did you watch all the Twilight movies? Me? Yeah. I watched the first one and called it quits after that. That's, That's exactly, exactly what I did. Problem. That's exactly the problem. That, Rude. that is not the fucking problem. No, I know those movies you have are... to keep... No! No! <laughs> no! 
You didn't even get to see Seth, my man Boo Boo. You didn't even get to see her Bella, which is like the next movie. What? You didn't get to see the CGI baby. <laughs> Bella. You didn't, you didn't get to see Dilf Daddy uh Miss Swan. Come on. What the fuck are you talking about? See, maybe if we you are, watch Twilight, you would we are, we are speaking a foreign language to Levi that he does not comprehend. I did not okay. study for the test. Like. So, Boo Boo Stewart is an actor. He was in three of the five movies. He is one of the werewolves. He's the youngest werewolf. He is precious, and they will protect him forever. Forever. Okay. He's a fantastic character. Period. Yeah. He, End he's, of discussion. He is great. He's a good we character. We love him. Okay. But man, I can't believe you just sat here and just fucking disrespected Twilight. You bet I fucking did. In my ear, in my ear holes. How dare you? I, I, you bet I fucking did, and I don't regret a goddamn thing about it. You know what? I, you know what? You, you hand out a fucking Twilight disrespect. I raise you a fuck Fifty Shades of Grey. (laughs) Wait, you like Fifty Shades of Grey, like legitimately? I no. Mm. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Let me let me put it this way. The first one is so bad. <laughs> yes. It's funny. Yes, I like, I would I would agree with that. Legit. The the I I will say the first one even though the first one is bad, it knows it's bad. Mhm. Okay. The mm-hmm. second one Actually, is good. No, no, it's yes. not. No. Yes, the it is. No, it's not. No, the third one is bad. The third one is no, no, no. The third one is bad and does not know it's bad. The third one is a movie. The no, action. it is not. The second, yes, no, the third one is bad and does not know it's bad. The second one is the only good one out of all of them. Hold on, I need to Google the synopsis of the second one. Fifty Shades uh, Free. Darker. Darker. Freed is the last one. Oh, the second movie is all about how, like, <laughs> his abusive lady friend who got him into BDSM is, like, back or something. Come on. Yes. No. He deserves no, jail time. This. And get this, get this. After 2 is the same as Fifty Shades of Grey plot-wise. I I figured. Okay. She works at a publishing firm. Her boss yeah. or bo- our <laughs> relative boss is like coming on to her really hard. Oh, what? what? You got something to say? You got something to say? No, no, I don't. I just, I think that's fucking <laughs> okay. <laughs> I got nothing to say. I just it's like <laughs> Cringe. Okay. It's all garbage. I'm going on my letterbox. <laughs> why? Why you get on my ass about Fifty Shades of Grey when you guys watch all that? You can agree that the shit that you guys watch is garbage. Shit. No, because Twilight is not garbage. It's yes, it is. yes, it is. Yes, it is. Levi, Levi, you cannot say you cannot say Twilight is garbage when you said you called it quits after the first one. Yeah, because you the have first to watch one all is of ass. Oh, I don't yeah, know. The it, first it, one is not a bad fun. movie. I mean, uh, it's not a bad movie, but it's the worst out of all five. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. Actually, New Moon might be worse. 
that's, that's that's pretty bad if the second one after the first one's worse. No, okay. I don't think <laughs> New Moon is boring. New yeah, Moon is boring. boring. I don't think it's boring. bad. It's just boring. It's boring. It gets Can't good. I'm having a fucking conversation. You know, not once in my fucking life that I think I was gonna watch the fucking <laughs> Twilight series after the first one. Like legit, I never thought I would. And not even the fucking people I met in college. That I think I was going to, and now yeah, look, because it's like it's a fucking us. full moon, and the goddamn tide is turned like, all of a sudden. Levi, Levi, I need to tell you this: when you met me, I was just, I saw Breaking Dawn Part Two in theaters. What? I was I saw that in high school in theaters. That's a long time ago. I that was know. twenty twelve. Yeah, I saw. I yeah, I was into Twilight when I was like younger. Because my sister was into it, therefore I like you know was I whenever we went to go see the movies, I was like I'll go, and I got into the movies like legitimately because like I was like these aren't you know terrible, but they're like they're like they're fun to a certain degree. Like I'm, it would, it's just like I'm here for the drama. Yes. Damn yes. It. Oh, you here fucking. For the drama. I, I can't I'm believe here for the. I am here for the will they won't they. Is no. she gonna get with yes. Jacob? Was she gonna get with Edward? I was there for all that shit. I was eating that shit up. Oh Eat it God. up, you guys. Don't knock it till you try it, Levi. Like really, like <laughs> I forced, yeah. I, forced I did try all, it. And no, thank it's, you. I forced them all to watch all of them, and Brendan was like, "This is so bad. This is so bad." Then he stopped saying it was bad after like halfway in a new moon. Yeah, New and Moon she... still wasn't good. I know, but after <laughs> New Moon, we got into Eclipse. You were like rooting for all of them. I remember. There I remember. is, guys. Yeah, Eclipse was okay. There is nothing <laughs> on heaven, earth, or hell that will get me to watch. No, no, I know. No, I, I will combat that. Whoa, 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 whoa! Alice is great, though. I Fucking don't care to. Anna I don't Kendrick care for the is fact in these that movies. Yeah, he, Anna Kendrick is told in those you. movies. Mm-hmm. I might give Look, it a shot. See, there I, isn't wait, anything how did you not, how did you on heaven, that? earth, <laughs> or hell that'll make me. I don't sound like Kendrick. Stop calling me. We caught you. Levi, we caught you in 4K. Down so fucking bad. How did you wait? How are you saying Okay, okay, Alice, we talking about... No, Alice not... Anna Kendrick is not Alice. She is a different character. Adriana. Okay. This is more of a you and me thing, but are you looking forward to succession season three <gasps> turning this sunday night i am so excited to see my slime puppy kieran Culkin back on this screen i'm thrilled beyond words um favorite one of my favorite shows of all time next to ted lasso i love everything about it it is fantastic jeremy strong uh steal me away daddy my slime uh. puppy kieran Culkin. i love him and his relationship with Miss Jerry, love her. <laughs> I dream for a dynamic where I am Jerry and I find my Kieran Culkin. Oh my god. <laughs> Why All lie? Right. Why lie? No, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been meaning to like start succession. It's I just a pretty good getting... show. 
It is I one of the best horribly distracted. Levi, are you really fucking telling me that you watched Succession before you watched fucking Breaking Bad? You know it. I watched Succession a year ago, though. Yeah, this is a new okay. season. I, yeah, like, I... After I, watched... I asked you to watch Breaking Bad? So, li- no, listen, listen. Game of Thrones came to an end. And mm-hmm. I, fi- I finished Game of Thrones and Full House at the same time. Literally the you same. Binge- I'm still wait, so wait a up- you- I'm still so upset you binge fucking Full House. Who <gasps> binge watches Full House? Me. Levi gonna because I fucking Why? love Full House. That's my favorite sitcom. So you sat down and watched every episode of Full House? You bet your you ass know, I did. You know what's more you watch, upsetting? Like- why can't you watch another white people show like Friends or something? Wow. Because <laughs> Friends is shit. Full House is where it's at. I mean, you I agree what... Friends is shit, but like... Yeah. You know what's Full more House upsetting? is where all the good you shit You went ahead and watched Fuller House after. I did. Dude, what? Well, okay, okay, okay. I watched... We finished Game of Thrones and Full House literally like the same day or like two days apart of each other in <laughs> August. <laughs> Okay. Wait, you watched Game of Thrones and then Full House? I was watching Talk both. About the, a, I was watching both feature. at the same time. Yeah, I had a sitcom a and a, yeah, I had a sitcom and I had a comedy show. That that was what I did in 2020. Was I watched a comedy show and a drama show at the same time? So, see, when I was depressed in 2020, I <laughs> binge watched all of Entourage in one month, every season. No thanks. Um, Dude, are you I fucking watched... kidding me? This podcast oh is God. Entourage. This podcast <laughs> is literally like you guys would love that fucking show so goddamn much. Yes. I know you I mean, would. During, during quarantine, I um binge through quarantine. I binge through two. I did. I binge through Grey's Anatomy. Fair, and, I did too. And um, I started. I started and finished Breaking Bad in a week. Damn, I watched it when it was oh. on. Not to be toot my own horn or anything, but wow, such a hit! Late, late. I was hey, at least I'm not as late as Levi. I was <laughs> I'm not as late as Levi, who still hasn't watched it. <laughs> yep. What the fuck? It's next. It's on my to do list. Okay, it's Dude, after the Sopranos. You keep saying this about your big ass to do list. I do have a big ass to do list, so it, it's next after the Sopranos. It's okay. Yeah. I have a long li- like watch list, but then I became like a book nerd, so I've just been reading nonstop. But I need to finish Cowboy Bebop. Yes, Here's- you do. And I want to start watching. Um, I need to finish Devilman Crybaby. Uh, and yes, then that show um, puts me through the ring of emotions. I want to watch Neon Evangelion or whatever it's called. Neon, Gen- Neon, Genesis, Neon Genesis Evangelion. Yeah. Fuck. It's anime, anime bullshit. I have it. Oh, Jesus Christ. Here, hot take, hot take, hot take, hot take, hot take. So, like, when we were young, I'd say, like, in the 2000s, or, like, 90s, 2000s, where y'all grow up, grew up, mm-hmm. um, when we were, like, kids like kids who watched anime in school were like weirdos like Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like they were bullied they were weirdos i was friends with some of those weirdos but i thought they were weird like i was the weird friend group but then i thought they were weird for watching anime so like a little meta action there but as i've gotten older and i've realized that anime is like not just cartoonish and there's like some really like raw scary like adult yeah. content out there that's not like pornographic or weird or anything like that 
I'm yep. super into it, and I think it's really freaking cool. Yeah. So, um, I was one of those kids that, like, I, I was watching anime, and I was like, what? Since, like, eighth, like, right before high school is when I, like, took a dip back into anime. Because when I was young, I, you know, I did the whole fucking Dragon Ball Z. Um, yeah, I could, two, I could never. Yeah, Dragon Ball Z, like, Toonami era of um, anime. I was, like, in there, but I don't remember a lot of it. But I kind of went back into it when I was, like, right before high school. Because I picked up on Bleach and started just watching, like, a bunch of, like, smaller stuff. And then Netflix just kind of graced me with a lot of new anime. And I have, I've been fucking hooked since. I, it took me so, my proudest achievement with anime was getting Brendan to watch all of Death Note. Because he saw the movie first. He saw the movie first. And he was like, this is a good movie. And I had to look at it. I didn't say it was, I didn't say it was fun. Okay, you said it was fun. I said it was okay. You said it was okay. Yes. Oh, Christ. He said it was okay, <laughs> and I told him, if you think this movie's okay, you will love the anime. And he was like, nah, I can't watch this. And I'm like, homie, give the first no. episode a try, and you will love it. And he, I, me and him watched the first episode together, and I had that man hooked because I watched him go through the whole series and give me updates when I wasn't there. And yeah, I had the, I had him hooked into like Death Note. <laughs> yeah. It is my yeah. crowning it is my crowning achievement yeah. of getting him into anime to a degree. Death well, Note was everyone, fucking good. I think everyone in here can agree that the gateway to anime as children that we did not consider until now was Avatar: The Last Airbender. That is an anime yes. that was for yes, children it, that we all watch. Yeah, like it is. It, it is the closest you can get to, like, American anime, except the Boondocks. The Boondocks is something that I watched a lot as a kid that um, is an anime-esque show. However, yeah. for most people, it was, you know, Avatar The Last Airbender that got a lot of people into anime. It is, it is, a, it is an anime gateway drug for lots yeah. of people. Absolutely. But, like, I think, like, now there's so much, like, I don't know. I'm definitely a newbie when it comes to anime, and I'm also very selective because I still cannot get past that hump in my brain that, like, yeah, some anime is just fucking nerdy, and I don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just can't get like, over it. Like, some of that but, shit's just fun and weird. Yeah, but I will say, one of my favorite movies, but I will never, ever watch it again, um, and probably, and it's the only animation movie to be in Criterion Collection, is Akira. Akira. Uh. I like I always like saying it like in the movie. Yeah, because you know? Brendan is <laughs> fantastic. They yeah. will love it. Bre- like Brendan and Levi, Levi know that's one of my favorite movies. It. It's they both truly know it's one, one of the best faves. things ever. Yeah, I can yeah. never, I can never watch it again though. Like personally, oh, I've seen it so many times. I can't I watch cannot it again. So I bought the um they last year they released the collector's edition for it and I bought it. Because I love that movie that much to be like, I can watch this. The Criterion or to. just a separate one? No, like Funimation release. It was like an anniversary edition for it. So they're like a, they had like a whole like release thing for uh, Funimation. And I got it for Christmas because I wanted it that badly. Because I was like, I need this. Whenever they decide to stop being cowards and release the collector's edition of Perfect Blue, I'm going to buy Perfect Blue. 
Perfect I'm scared Blue to is, watch Perfect Blue. Perfect. Oh, Perfect Blue is such a, is a. It's a great I'm, movie. I'm very scared. Yeah, it is. Honestly, it's a good movie. In some parts of it, it is hard to watch because it has some very just visceral moments. But it's not like outright like a. It, whenever like it gets to those moments, it's not outright disgusting. It's just these are tough scenes to kind of watch sometimes. But mm-hmm. as a whole, they play into a very good psychological like thriller and horror movie. And I, it's to me, it's lovely. It is a really, it is an out there movie that I love. Um, I also just like Paprika as well because Paprika walked, so freaking um, Inception could run and take all the spotlight. <laughs> yeah, it fucking did. Yeah, it fucking did. Levi, that's yeah. my compliment. <laughs> I, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I think oh. right now. Like, there is a, like, just to make, like, a hot take, but also, like, finish off the anime um, discussion, because I know that there's only two of us who can talk about it, (laughs) Um, that I'm very excited right now with this sort of um, foreign language, like, impact that is coming to the States, finally. Like, I feel like it was always on the horizon. Yes. And I'm Mm -hmm. glad that that door was bust down with Parasite, like, Mm -hmm. uh, two years ago, and now Squid Game being one of the, like, biggest and most massive shows of all time on Netflix. Yep. It was the most watched uh, new series on Netflix, beating Bridgerton. And it's deserving. I watched the whole show, and I absolutely loved it. Yes, Squid Um, Game is really good. But I still think, like, a lot of, like, Americans still, like, would want, like, should get over the hump of some anime. Like, especially just, like, some of the shorter stuff, like, like, Cowboy Bebop or Akira or, like, Devil Man Cry Blue. Baby. Devil Man, no one should watch Devil Man Cry. <laughs> yeah, I've only seen it once, and it, it you know what, it, it was enough for me. I love it. I have but one it... more episode. That's oh, tentacle. Oh, God. Pyrn. <laughs> that's what that that's what that show is. I'm determined to finish it though because I committed. But I watched that yes. anime and then all of a sudden I get like, you would love watching this. And I was like, no, I wouldn't. That's not the anime I like. Yeah. But I, I think I'm really excited for the frontier of foreign language movies in the States. I don't like that people are still snobby and they can't get past watching something in a foreign language and they have to watch terrible dubs. Because yeah. the Squid Game yeah. dub is terrible. And I know there was getting a lot of controversy of like, oh, but the English subtitles are just as bad. But then it turned out to just be a misunderstanding because there's two different English subtitles. Yeah. Like, I don't know. But I'm I'm been a kind of a foreign language like movie nerd for like two years now. Um pre pandemic, yeah. I mean. Um, it's something me and my, my father and I bond on, especially like movies from his home country and things like that. And, um, mm-hmm. like I've been more keen into watching, uh, foreign language movies, especially when they're Oscar winners, like this past Oscar winner, another yeah. round was really great. Probably one of my favorite movies that came out last year, but I am very excited for more of that to come. Yeah. Same here. Like I, I don't remember what my first, you know, foreign language movie was, but I had a mo- like, 
because I like had that dip in anime when I was young, I eventually had a I had like a huge um J horror phase, yeah. which I mean I Japanese horror is still like really top tier in my eyes. It's still really good. I believe it. They're great at that. Yeah, like they're so good at horror, and it just like it still like saves me like that and. Because I watched Squid Game, I've had a really bad itch to rewatch Battle Royale again. <gasps> that that's also which, another, that's also another foreign language movie I think everyone should see. Yeah, which if Brendan and Levi, if y'all have not seen Battle Royale, you really need to. Uh, it's such a good episode? movie, huh? Are you doing a Halloween episode? We I I mean yeah, we're recording on the 29th again, so we have enough time to nice. watch one. You have to watch Battle Royale before. And, like, <laughs> oh, my God. I love I, horror. Speaking of horror, I have, like, a lot of things horror-wise to talk about. Because um, this week, we got fed really fucking good as horror fans. Surprisingly so. With, Wait, um, what's everyone's favorite horror? <laughs> if any. Or thriller or supernatural. Like, what's paranormal? Uh. For me, okay, I, Brendan and Steven know this, I, I like all genres of movies except horror, not because I was, it, I was just like you once, <laughs> <laughs> up until it, a year ago. It, it, it's not because the movies scare me, it's because it's, it's genuinely bad, like, Filmmaking-wise, so? story-wise, acting-wise. What have, what have you been watching? What have you been watching? Uh, paranormal activity. No, that can't count. I was going to say, uh, that, those are the only horror movies I like. because So I, you're into haunting. Because found footage gives me the heebie-jeebies. Like it, okay. Homie, there's, I, you know what? We, me, I need you to watch Grave Encounters. Because that's There's that's tons a of found good. footage that's good. There's so many. Yeah. Wait, so like, you, have you ever seen like Blair Witch, like the original? I have never seen Blair Witch. I want to, but I've never. That's seen the original. It. I, I know it's. I know it's the original. It's the original, like found footage, like film. Yes. Uh, that's see. There's the thing with horror that I realized because I was I have always been such a scaredy cat of horror until like maybe a year and a half ago when I finally like found the kind of horror that I can digest and enjoy. Mm. Um, so like if you only like found footage because it like is almost so real, there's like the original Blair Witch, or you can watch something as recent as like Spree on like Hulu or whatever, which was a found footage like murder about like uh uber driver you know like there's tons of like options out there it's a genre in itself yeah i like weird shit that's not graphic like just to confuse you so like i like um i like evil dead 2 i'm a huge evil dead fan i love evil dead 2 so that's like campy horror that can I think be wrapped into like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I was so frightened of that movie for so long, and then I watched it, and I realized that while that it movie is, is gross, so goofy, it's goofy exactly. Like they don't show a chainsaw going into anybody or any blood. Have you seen um, Texas Chainsaw Two? Because that movie will, is so much goofier. I can't. I'm, I won't. I, I feel like if I watch any other Texas Chainsaw, I'm going to hate the original. 
see you say that, but then you watch the second one and you're just like, oh my god, this movie's so fucking goofy. Wait, have you guys seen Halloween, the original? Yeah, I, I yes. was gonna say I <laughs> do. Course. I do like Brenda the original Halloween. Okay, fair because that's the original. I love it. Love it, love it, love it. I have not had the privilege yet to see the 2018 or the new one, but I really want to because I've heard that the new one is pretty good. Yes, it is. Yeah, yes, 2018 is so, not bad. 2018 is mm-hmm. not bad? Okay. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah, pretty good. So but I know the Brandon movies is... after Halloween are bad. Mm, First one. Yes. I, have, I, have I think the on second one, one's good. But we'll jump back to it. Mm-hmm. Halloween 2 is great, and I, my hot take and I will forever die on this hill, is Season of the Witch is a legitimately good movie. People are just too scared to say it is because it doesn't have Michael Myers in it. However, you got garbage Halloween movies that literally are from 4, 5, and um, 6. 4, 5, and A Curse of Michael Myers, which are like, it's a weird trilogy of movies that suck ass. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Yeah. And like, like they yeah, literally like, say rather, that Michael, they literally say Michael Myers can't die because he of a satanic curse. Oh. Yeah, it's, it's so it makes like, no such sense. Bullshit. It's so dumb. It makes no sense. But like, they're weird movies. However, like you know, you you have like the bad you have like the bad movies of those three. But then it's just like, oh wait, we can make good movies, and you get H two O. Yeah. And then you get um Resurrection, which um Resurrection's not great, but you get to watch Buster Rhymes kick um Michael Myers into a fire. Trick or treat. We just have to motherfucker. <laughs> oh yeah. no. No, no, no. I, I will have... say though. Have... Mm. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say, like, I have like such a long relationship on, with horror, especially the Halloween series because it's like that's the series when I was younger that I watched a lot because of the fact of um AMC just shows all of them around Halloween time anyway. Yes. So I grew up watching like all of them back to back. And um weird thing that um I saw Halloween two, not the um classic Halloween two, but Rob Zombie's Halloween two I saw oh, that in theaters. Uh, I saw that in theaters when it came out. No. I fucking hate Rob Zombie's I Halloween movies. <laughs> See, I as Halloween movies, Rob Zombie's Halloween movies are definitely outliers because they just do something completely off like off the rails with it. However, there is some merit. It just takes a lot to find it. Um, yeah, so I, I could say I can't, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, like, it just takes a while to find it, and because of that, some people just, like, aren't into it, but people that like it, like, they have good reasons to enjoy the movies. I will say, right now, I think we are in a very good time uh, for horror movies, not, like, just because it's October, but in the sense of, like, the last, like, five years, and think Absolutely. a lot of really high quality and like really great horror movies have came out and really terrible ones have also came out i think mm-hmm. off the top of my head we're really getting into sort of like the normalization i guess you could say of like horror but in a brighter and sort of um as expected sense like 
this could happen to you or this could be happening around us and we don't realize it. I think like taking a concept, well, separate from this, I think like movies like Possessor and movies like Ready or Not or even Midsommar uh, or like Ready the, Suspiria, or not. the Suspiria remake, The Lighthouse even, um, Climax, I wasn't a big fan of, but that is technically a horror movie in my opinion. Um, but like we're getting into like a lot of the acceptance of sort of art house horror that's very scary and I really enjoy that right now like I think Possessor was my favorite horror movie that came out last year um, and I'm looking forward to seeing the Scream remake when it comes and Jennifer's Body and OG hell yeah I, I will say, I do have to agree with you, Adriana. I think the art house horrors, like, they are genuine, like, horror films, but it's also good filmmaking mm-hmm. with, like, good acting, good actors, good, like, themes and whatnot. Like, I hate to admit it, but, like, or I hate to say it, but I, I did not like Hereditary at all the first time we watched it. Steven showed it to me and Brendan. Mm-hmm. And then... Me and Brendan went and saw the director's cut of Midsummer, and I hated Midsummer so much. It Fucking made me dang. like the, it no. made me like the director's cut. I think people expected it to be a horror movie, and were really startled by the fact that it really wasn't. It's more psychological. Like, yeah, there's a. I mean, I assume everyone here has seen it, correct? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, the listeners have most likely seen it, but. Um, like you, yeah, you have someone jumping off a cliff and having their head smashed in, but like, is that really horror or is that just something that happens because one time? Yeah. And that is more social and personable, like the cheating, the witchcraft or whatever, the spells, like it's not, it's not, it's. Psycho, it's psychological horror, and it's all bright and pretty to make you be disarmed from it. Yeah, and honestly, to me, it is it is a breakup movie. That's what that is to me. Like yeah. I can sit there and say that like I like this movie a lot because I'm like, yes, it has horror vibes to it, but it's not a horror movie at the end of the day. It is a psychological breakup movie. Mm-hmm. I I had the same I think well me and Levi I know for a fact me and <laughs> Levi had the same thoughts on this movie. Yeah. But I can't speak for why Levi didn't like it. I I guess for me I just didn't get it. Like I don't mm-hmm. know if it was like if it was too over my head or what but I paid attention to everything because we watched Hereditary and you know, there's signs throughout all of Hereditary that explain stuff. So I knew stuff was happening. I knew I knew everything that was going on. I knew about, like, the hair and stuff like that and the bear yeah. and all that. But it, I hate saying it this way, but, but this is the truth. It, it just kind of bored me. Like, I, yeah. I just kept waiting for stuff to happen. Same. And it was Literally just very same. slow. Yeah, so yeah. I don't know if I just didn't get it or what. But again, I think that's where it it 
disarms you because you expect stuff to be happening, but what's happening in the movie is micro. I don't want to, it's like micro movements. Like it's all happening very passive aggressively and almost like, yeah, like over your head. Like, see, like I still watch it and I didn't even realize stuff was happening in it that happens. But the takeaway I get from it is a woman going through not just a breakup, but like just some horrible personal like struggle that causes her to like she like she's going through her personal hell and is alone and she by the end of it um expels all of the strings of what's causing her to be stuck here and (laughs) finds her new home with these people who are psycho but when you watch the movie you're like are they or are they just normal yeah. like what am i supposed to think about these people but they treat like, her right yeah cuz like you and when when people see the movie most people in most people see the ending and you're just like you know what good for her but that's not the normal response you should have in a I situation mean, like that <laughs> I wouldn't say a lot of people finish the movie and saying good for her. I think a lot of people finish it and go, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. that is that yeah. is more so true than like, that is more true. People are just I like, what the fuck? You I said what the look. fuck when I watched that movie for the first time. I did too. Most of Ari Aster causes me to say what the fuck. Yeah, that's completely fair. But like, I guess like whenever like I sat and thought about it more and I think watched it again because I... So I, when I saw it, I saw the original cut first by myself, and then I saw the director's cut with somebody else, like, a few months later. So I had time to sit and, like, think about the movie on my first viewing. So when I came back to the director's cut, I was, like, revisiting some of my points. And then when I saw new scenes that are added to it, which... You know, for some things in the original cut, it makes a little more sense because I think the I think my biggest takeaway, like one of the biggest takeaways from the director's cut versus the original, is the like one of the only like straight up arguments that um that oh my god, what is her name? I'm forgetting her Danny. name right now. Yeah, Danny and um Danny and her boyfriend have is they have that argument after that one like fake out. Uh, scene with the kid mm-hmm. and they have that argument like by like the swamp or whatever that yeah, is the, the that is yeah they have that's like one of the biggest takeaways because it straight that is the one thing that solidifies how actually shit Chris like Christian yes yeah yes. Christian is like obviously we Christian's Christian is still shit in the original cut but like that argument like sets him up to be like a oh so that's how you really, really feel about a lot of shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that yeah, and besides that, there's not much difference between director's cut and the original cut. But there's just some other small scenes. But that argument is the biggest takeaway, which just further pushes um, Danny down that path to just isolation because she just has no one there, even though she is with her boyfriend. Her boyfriend is cut off from her by choice. Like, he chooses not to see what's wrong with her, not to care about her. He yeah. does it all on his own, and therefore has to pay for it, has to pay for his own actions at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. With his life. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. And God, it's that's why I like it so much because I just get to I it is a look into a person. It's a look into like one person. It's a look into Danny and how she just deals with a lot of the stuff that happens. And I that's why I like it. I like movies that are character focused and driven. And that movie is one of those. I also just really liked the score because the score for um for Midsummer and Hereditary are both really good. Mm-hmm. That they both like set up that certain mood that you're supposed to feel about both of them. Especially both so- like both climax songs at the end of both movies are just really strong and stand out. That's that's how I feel about Midsummer. I disagree, Gary. <laughs> I yes, disagree. And, yeah. I, and I know I know the two of you don't like the movie, and yes, it's sad as me that you don't like it, but I I'm get glad it. you like it. I, yeah. I was sad that I didn't like it because I actually was looking forward to it and I was wanting to like it, so I was a little <laughs> upset that I didn't like it. And yeah. it just I didn't like it so much it actually made me like hereditary after not liking hereditary. Hey, so that means I the mean, next honest... Ari Aster movie you'll love. That means you'll yeah. love Midsummer after the next Ari Aster movie. <laughs> yeah, like and honestly, Damn. I'll say this. I like honestly, I'll say this. If you like hereditary more because of this, that's fine. I'll take that. Better. However, I do just want to quickly discuss um this week horror wise because it's been like there's been a lot of good shit happening this week for horror. For one, you know, Halloween Kills came out the second the second movie of this new Halloween trilogy. Oh, it yeah. came out. People are very excited for it. It's I don't I've not seen reviews yet of it, but I'm hoping that it gets some pretty solid reviews by the time the weekend's over. Do you want me to tell you about that. The reviews? I've not looked at reviews. I'm purposely not looking at reviews right now. Oh, okay. All right, all right, all right. Um, we also got the new trailer for the new Scream movie. Yeah. Which, very, very positive reaction. Yes, very good one. reaction. It got a good reaction to me. I, yeah. I love Scream. I have, um, I have a shit ton of respect for Wes Craven because that man may he rest in peace redefine he defined horror not once but twice with both of his franchises the last thing that happened this week was um the chucky series came out this week which i Mm -hmm. i know that some people are not fans of um the child's play slash chucky franchise yeah me it fell off chucky it fell off to some people. Just throw Be- away that little rat. <laughs> no, I love him. He is precious. You love him. Throw him away. Kick him in the dirt. Buddy. He is a precious. He is a precious soul. Not really. Kick him in the ass. Tie him to the front of a fucking semi, dude. But he's not letting it go. This new series just goes from the end of Kodachaki and just pushes it into a new direction. And honestly. I'm excited to see where this goes. It gives it gives us a new setting, a new town. It gives more, it's going to give more of a background to how Charles Lee Ray became the killer he was. And yeah, like it's I I want to see where this goes. Like I said, Don Mancini's been in hand with this series. He helped make he wrote and helped create the series from where it was. 
and you can tell that he that even though it's been like what since it's been almost forty years, the he still loves he still loves his franchise and he still cares about it. And honestly, that's where a lot of my respect for it comes from. He he cares about what he does and he's not letting go of it anytime soon. That's why I like it, and that's why I'm excited to see where the new child's play goes. Hey, well, on that note, how about this? What is a movie, one movie, no explanation given, that you think everyone should watch, we can go around the room, (laughs) that you think everyone should watch during the month of October? Doesn't have to be horror. I feel like I gotta say Halloween, but I also want to say Doctor Sleep, because I fucking love Doctor Sleep. Yes. Very good choices. Is a good movie. Very good choices. Levi? Oh, you, you got me thinking up in the club about that one. Oh. <laughs> uh, could come back to me. I, I don't know. Okay. Right now. Um, I'll say mine, and I actually watched it again last night, very happily, is... The incredible Korean blockbuster, Train to Busan. It is a zombie flick. It was one of the highest grossing movies in 2019 or 2018 in Korea. It is fantastic. I cried last night watching it, and I watched it on my favorite streamer, Will Neff. Shout out Will Will Neff, film god. I love watching his streams. I watched it on his film school academy. Love it. What movie do I think people should watch? In the month of October. Fuck, that yes. is such a that is such a hard question for me. I mean for me I guess it would have it had to be like a horror film, honestly, just because October is the spooky scary month, like how with Halloween coming up and everything. Yeah. Like I don't like I don't know. It it'd be more for me I guess it'd be more like of a good question if it was like any other month that doesn't have like a big holiday or festivities coming up or anything. Thriller or drama? I yeah. What, shout shout it out. Shout it out. This is your chance to like put out to the world a movie that you think everyone should see. For the month of October. Yeah, I mean it doesn't have to be it, I mean it doesn't have to be horror. I know. Yeah. But I don't know. I guess a paranormal activity, I guess. Alright. I, I don't know. Um Shutter Island. Maybe. Sure. Yeah. Fuck. Um I guess for me, oh, a movie that people should watch um during the month of October. Honestly, I feel like it doesn't even, I don't I feel like it doesn't get it does not get talked about enough like it should. Um, Hellraiser. The first, like, Hellraiser 1 and Hellraiser 2. Both are good movies that should be watched. Fair. Okay. Is that yeah. with Pinhead? Yeah. Dude, ah. they're, they're both very good. I'm reading, um, I'm reading the book that is based off of Hellbound Heart. I'm reading that right now. I need to actually get back and finish it up. And it, the book is pretty fucking solid. I'm excited to see the new series for Hellraiser that's coming out soon. They just cast um, the new Pinhead recently. I I recommend reading Hellbound Heart first and then watching um, Hellraiser. And with that, I feel like we have wrapped up another episode. And 
on that note, I'm Steven. I'm Brendan. And I'm Levi. And I'm a special guest and amazing person ever, Adriana. And this has been The Cinemaniacs. And thank you for listening. To viewers like you. Thank you. Thank you.